Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. This is Aquila. Um, just doing this call tonight. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of topics. So feel free to chime in. You can ask me any questions. But I will not promise to answer for some things that are private to me, and I like to keep it that way. Thank you. Carry on. Hello. That's, uh, okay. Let's see who's on the call. We have the Ports family on the call this evening. Welcome. Having uh I'll say her for me quite some time. If you have a question, just type it in the chat. That'll be fine. Um, yep. Yep, the Porch family. Yes, I'm doing these calls. Um, hopefully to help somebody. <laughs> and um if you have a question or comment, uh, you may do so. And we'll try to carry on for that. Um, I'm just going to share some conversations I've been having. And if you guys have a comment or a question, feel free to ask. And I'll start here. How um, I just had to get this, you know, and I start sharing with someone. 
couple of people today, and I think even yesterday, I was talking with them. Um, and I see it as this: um, if you, uh, if I go to, if I'm like, say, I own a McDonald's, you know, I'm the owner, and I hire a manager, I hire a supervisor. Because obviously I probably won't be there every single day. And let's say I came to visit um, the McDonald's. They didn't know who I was. And and I order a hamburger. And I say, usually they have a Big Mac. They put two patties. They have a double cheeseburger. That's fine. But let's say they have, I want four hamburgers on that one sandwich. And they tell the manager, I said, well, let me speak to the manager. Okay, I don't do that. I said, well, let me speak to the supervisor. No, we're not going to do that. And then I'll say, okay, well, now I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm like, I'm the owner of this McDonald's. And I'll talk to the uh, supervisor. I suggest you go to your computer, look it up. Here is my name. I show my ID and let him check it out. Now, I know once he know who I am, I gave him notice, he know who I am. Now, do you think he will not do what I ask? Because at no time, even though I hired the manager and the supervisor, at any time, they have jurisdiction over me. Not at any time. They, you know, but I came in as a customer. They figure everybody coming in is a customer. They don't know who I am. Now, that's why I give you notice who I am. Now, you can test me by asking, you have an ID, how I know it's true, well, how I act. You know, and I didn't give you notice. And this is what's happening. And if they're my public servants, the police, judge, governor, whomever, but it's a proper way of doing everything. Can't just do it any old kind of way you want, you wish. It's a proper way to do everything. And that's a lot of missing points. And a lot of times when we at the court, um, we don't know how to act. We don't know what to say, what to do. And it doesn't have to begin even at court. It's in your everyday life. How would, how you speak to other, your fellow men, your neighbors, the, at the grocery store, whomever you interact, how do you do that? And a lot of times I hear on the call, it's like I don't hear good answers or communication skills, let's just say. <laughs> I'm not saying I had it all myself, but I'm learning each and each day different things and how to share and try to help somebody else. But a lot of time we come at the court and number one, I'm gonna give them notice who I am. I'm not one of your customers, I'm not whoever you think you may think know who I am. I'm gonna tell you who I am. Okay, and I give notice of that. And then when I do speak at that court, I'm just referencing or speaking about my notices. 
that's it. Because my notice said everything I pretty much need to say. And I don't, you know, get away from that. No matter what person asks me, they ask me about the weather. They can ask about anything. I'm only, I'm only at that court, number one. I give you notice who I am. Two, if there's a man or woman going to come forth to say I do something wrong. And three, I want to know why I'm here. Why have I been summoned here? I know I haven't done nothing wrong. I'm not aware of anything I've done wrong. So why am I here? And I'll, I'll say this, too. This was a key point that I missed at my own court when I was doing it. And I had heard it. I mean, as I said, while you know, in my earlier call, when I met called two or three other women was with me, and he began to tell me about his sister um, in her case. And you know, a lot of times you hear them say objection, you hear the other side say, the judge will say overrule, or he'll say sustain, because basically they're rebutting what someone else is saying. Now, that's the legal ease, and that's sort of the way they do. I don't do that. So what I would do instead, like when Carl was telling me about his sister, when she, she was at the court, she said what she had to say, gave her notice, and she was quiet. And when the other side, which they had three lawyers, one of the lawyers got up to speak, just wait a minute, is that a woman I hear speaking? Because the only one can speak is her husband. He has first-hand knowledge of what we know, what happened. The lawyer, the judge, the DA, anyone else has nothing. So anyone else can speak. It's all hearsay. They have no first-hand knowledge. They should not be speaking. So what I said, that to say this, at my court, when I said, when I had, I knew I had the down pack, I'm a woman, you're a man. Actually, it was a woman judge. I said, you're a woman. I'm a woman, woman to woman. And I said, um, I require men and women to come forth to say my claim is untrue, but I was doing a lien. I should have said my lien untrue. However, he said, well, I'm going to do what this, uh, the lawyer going to do, and they was talking, and I just shut up and stayed quiet. And she did, even the judge was trying to help, if you really think about it. She said, you have anything? Because she can't do nothing, so she asked again. You have anything else to say? And I just repeated what I said. And then she ruled in that lawyer's favor. Now, what just happened? What went wrong? Well, now I know what went wrong today. It's because when a lawyer was speaking, he has no firsthand knowledge. He don't know anything. So I could, oh, are you the man coming forth to say I? Oh, this lane, my lane untrue. And if anyone else speak at that court, you're going to hold them like so they can judge definitely can't speak. He don't have personal knowledge. The lawyer, he can't speak. He don't have personal knowledge. So where is my accuser? Where is my accusers? Or where is the man or woman going to come forth to say, my claim to say it, lean is untrue. I didn't do this. As I said, I was stayed quiet. I froze up, didn't know what to say. 
I know today. I'm just saying what I did, my mistake, you have to look at this for yourself. And I'm only saying this because a lot of times I get on the call, I hear, what I did, I read the paperwork. I did my paperwork. I said, so I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you you, um, said, well, Paul wrote my paperwork for me. Great. He helped me with it. Great. And he said, I said, did you say it? Well, so, yes, I said all that. And then I had my next question, then what happened? They said, well, they went on with their case. And I said, what did you do? Oh, I stayed quiet. I didn't say anything. And that was it. <laughs> so this is where I went wrong myself. So a lot of times, you know, I don't say, uh, I basically, you know, I didn't rebut or I didn't uh, speak up for myself to try to ask you have first-hand knowledge. Well, you're going to take the oath of affirmation that all you say is true, that my claim said that is untrue. You're going to say that, you know, put it in writing and sign it. Think the judge going to do that? Think someone else? They can't because they have no person now whatsoever. So I have no excuse. If nobody, I require them at a discharge, and I wish, and then I will wish of the judge to sign my order. I'm done. Then they get carried out. That's just how it works. To I. So anybody have a question or comment, you can type it in the chat, if you will. Guess 11 saying no sound. Not sure what that's all about. Anyway, uh, Porch family, can you hear me okay? Just type it in the chat. That'd be fine. Or anyone can do it for that matter. Um, hmm. So what I'm trying to speak about, step one, step two, but what led me up to this step one? Why was I at the court in the first place? How did we get to there? So as I said, I wrote my letters. I started there. The purpose of me writing these letters, I'm sure a lot of you us here on the call have heard of transcripts. The transcripts at that court, it's a record that someone wrote what they said they heard. That man and woman said they heard, and they write it down. It might not necessarily be all true. I haven't seen it, but why would I trust any other man or woman to hold a record for me? When it's my case, it's all about me. I would be the best one to explain or speak about my record because I know it. And there's no other man or woman I'm forced to say some truth what I know about myself. So um so anyways as I said at the court that transcript there's someone else's record. And I don't ask, oh, can I get a copy of the transcript? Can I see? I'm not interested what someone else said. And they, could miss, they miss a whole lot of points. They, 
they thought they heard this, thought they heard that, whatever. But I will keep my own records. And that's why I said I started off writing the letters, and that was the purpose of that, to create a record in written form. I could talk about it all day, but how I'm going to prove it. So whenever I have a written form, I can show something tangible that I have, and you can see for yourself of a record. And I um, once I got did you know sent my um, letters. I was sending by registered mail, getting it signed. No response whatsoever. They break the green cards would get signed. I get them back, no problem. So as I said, I had a, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with Carl and I told him what was happening and he just asked me some couple of questions. The conversation was very long. And he just asked me why haven't I had it processed sir? And how did I know that the man who I was sending to have gotten it? I don't know. Because as you can realize, even though you send a mail to the address where you send it to, there could be a secretary, there could be anybody else picking up that mail and signing for it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's that man or woman you are writing to actually receiving it. Even if you send it to that location, their home, whatever, they could be on vacation and the housekeeper is receiving the mail. Even they could be vacation, their corporation, whether it's a bank, whether it's Walmart, could be receiving the mail and signing for it, and they will give it to them later or whenever they see them. Um, but I need to know. So I had a process there, and that's a tangible record by a man or woman that they write that they did uh, go to that location and serve that piece of people. Okay? So that's another thing. Um, guest 12 is still here. I'm just going on the list. Porch family. So that's good. Um, So anyway, getting back to my situations that I was learning this process, if you will. And so I just want to say at the beginning of any given situation, sometimes you first say, I need help right away, I need this. Well, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Because even if you got the right answers, the right recipe, that don't mean you can actually follow or get it some catch on quicker, some get it right away, some don't. You know, it depends. So, depends on your situation, what's going on. You know, I can only say what I do. I'm not telling you to try this stuff or don't try it. Do it or do not do it. That's up to you. You got to know what works for you and what you believe. Not so much what I believe, it's what you believe. Your record. It's all about you. It's your case. And if you're not willing to put the time and the work and the effort in there, how do you expect me to do so? And a lot of times, you know, 
I get I get this sometimes. Um, they ask me a question. They ask me for help, if you will, and I just tell them what I would do. But they trying to explain me what they think they should be done. Well, if you know what you're doing, why ask me? As I can only tell you what I believe would work for me, and what does, and what did. I'll tell you no more, no less. Not only give my testimony what worked for me, what I believe. And the other point I want to make, um, you know, a lot of here, oh, I did what Carl said, don't work, or I don't know what happened. Well, what did you do? You know, like I said, a lot of you guys know, I said this before, I do construction work, and depends on what project, I do commercial as well as residentials and people's homes. Um, a lot of, I would say, supposed to be electricians, supposed to have their license to do this work. A lot of the plumbers, sometimes they can't even read the blueprint, <laughs> you know. And, but, I mean, I can read blueprints. Um, and I didn't go to school to learn how to read it. I mean, I wanted to practice, let the time, seeing, and I blurred. But time, but hey, here I am. Um, What else? So that's why all the time you give, tell somebody what you would do in your case and they don't follow. Or one they don't believe in. That's all I have to do or say, really? Well, why? But they have like four or five pieces of paper. Why only have one? And it's not even much on the paper. This is, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. Okay. That's, that's all I can tell you what I would do. And so I suggest in that way, continue to listen and, and pray about it. Ask God to help you. Put your time in your own case. Look up the words. Look what's going on. I can only point you in the right direction. And as much, much as I tell you, I know that I actually share here on these calls. And I put my time and work for it. Why not you? So. And a lot of times we're going at it the wrong way. You know. And I hear a lot of that. So. Do be careful what you take care of what you're doing. Take notice and it'll take you a little more time because everyone has 24 hours in the same day. What you do with that time, you know. Only God knows what you're going to do with your time, what is important to you. And if you feel other things important, oh, I got busy, um, you know, and I've helped, you know, some people that came on out told them what I would do, and they got their case with screw, and, but they're not in honor because they knew they owed that, and even though the other side couldn't prove it, but you know you still owe it, and you're not going to pay it back. Okay, well, when you ask me for help or ask the question, I'm not going to hear you either. So... Anyway, I've been talking. Anyone have a question or a comment? I'll start with you, the Ports family. 
Just type it in the chat. That'd be fine. And I'm taking a quick little break here. So we'll go from there. Type it in the chat. Oh, well, let's keep it moving. Um, Ports family. <laughs> I'll reach your question. Um, how much time and effort have these guys wasted trying to debunk call? They could try, but when something is true, um, you're not going to get past the truth. I don't care who you are. That's the goodness and the greatness of truth. So no matter what someone say, and if God gave someone a gift of knowing, no one can take that from you. You could try, but it's not going to work. You're just wasting time. So that's what I believe. The knowledge call has, you know, uh, it came from God. So. It's a wonderful thing when you get a gift from God. That's a wonderful thing. Um, and that's why it works, no matter what someone say or what they think. Um, I know it's two reasons. I mean, one, I'll say reason I know it worked. I tried it. I've done it. And it worked for me. So I know it worked. But I was shallow though. I know. So I can't speak for anyone else. <laughs> you have to know it for yourself. This is the correct way to go. This is the law, lawful, lawful way to go. You know, if it's not lawful, I'm not trying to even 
get involved with that. So there you go. Um, guest 12, you have a question or comment, you may type it in the chat if you wish. Um, Laws of Virginia, you can type something in the chat. I'll just say we have has three L's. And I'll say it's supposed to be Illinois, I guess, but on the call. So you as well you can type in the question or just type something in the chat, that's fine. So yeah, I heard a lot of stuff. Um this one's saying this or about call, not um stuff not working. And I just continue to hear this time after time. But nothing tangible and there is no proof. Anybody can say any words or talk. But where's your proof? Oh, I heard this one said that. Oh, so you're taking that man's word for it without proof? Really? No, because the burden of proof is on someone else, not me. Someone making a claim or saying they need to prove what they're saying be true. I'm just going to question you about how you know. Where's your evidence? I'm not just taking your word for saying so. No matter how good it sounds, how great it sounds, I'm going to check it out. That's just the way it's supposed to be. So, anyways, let's keep it moving. Um, And it takes time to get it, you know, and I find myself, even though I've said many times, I've learned a whole bunch, a whole lot, but sometimes I can be sitting and thinking about things, and wow, I see it another way. I see it this way or that way. Now, sometimes I'm talking to someone on a one-to-one, and I'm like, wow, it's really flowing for me right now. How, and I can really see this picture clearly. It's sort of like uh, a builder. You tell them what you want in the house. You kind of draw up some blueprints, little and but I could see the finished product. I just I could see every step of the way, where the sink gonna be, where the toilet gonna to be, where the shot. It's like in my mind I see it. And you know, and I visually it's like I see it, you know, even though it's it doesn't exist yet. But I can see it. And that's how I do when I'm building and wow, it really so a lot of times even if you can't see it, you know, I'll just say look up the words, go over in your mind because that's how it starts flowing for me. Even though I see it this way, then I see another way, you know, and I can hear that same thing over. You know, like it's just like you listen to, let's say, a music, a song. You listen to that song, you get this day, wow, I learned something about this song. This is what he was trying to say. Then you listen to it again. And you pay attention to maybe the middle of the song. You get something out of that. Then you pay attention to the ending of the song. So you, when something is going forth, you're not going to catch everything right away. Okay? It's a lot of words being said, a lot of, you know, going over and over. You might not catch it all right then and there. You might catch the first of it. First two or three sentences, 
see where they're going and kind of get it, not clearly yet, but sort of. Then you listen to it again. Say, okay, this is what he was saying. Then you listen again. You get the middle, like I said, back and forth. Following, you get the whole picture. And that's what's good. That's why it's good to listen over and over sometimes to get the message what's really being said or where this is going. So, once again, you guys can type something in the chat. <laughs> and that's a question here. I have a question. Oh, sure. Say it. Um, Ron Ports, Ports family. How'd you end up making out with your uh, tickets? Oh, he's not on the call anymore. Shoot. Uh, he actually still on the chat, so maybe yes. we're tight to this. Okay. Your boyfriend's on, Mrs. K. <laughs> I only have one boyfriend, or one friend I wish that's just so. You want me to text him and see if he'll come on the call? That'd be nice. On all, didn't do Carl's method. What kind of method did you end up doing? Okay. Well, wow. what was Alfane and Jeffrey? Okay, well, we don't miss them. Right to travel. Okay. Um, I would like to talk to you on, on the private side. We are we are contacts in Skype. I got a tree to be taken down, but also I want to see your see what happened. So, contact me on the private side. Thanks. Okay, Cheyenne. Any other questions or comments? That's it. I'm done. Okay. All right. Uh, Northern Virginia, if you care to say, have a question or comment, say hello, Northern Virginia. Okay. Uh, Kay Rodney, you have a question or comment? And how is your move going? I want to really go back to ports. Did you end up doing Title 39? Did you end up looking at Title 39, which I'm sure you did? It's all there. Okay. Well, contact me in the private. Hmm. Thank you. Good. Okay. Let's keep it moving. Um, so uh, I'll just ports. Keep... ports family. Title thirty nine is their code. Come on. That's where you end up beating these people at their own code. Yeah, we have to talk private. 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. I just was reading the chat as well. You say it was theirs, not I guess not mine. So yeah, it is theirs. That's that's how you beat them. I just got done beating a ticket a few months ago just by using their own title. And in Jersey, wow. it's Title Thirty Nine. In Pennsylvania, it's Title. Um, Oh, what is it? I think 75. Maryland, it's title... Oh, gosh. I used to know all these states. Oh, really? 13 private talks are usually sexual? Then I guess you have no female friends. I mean, come on. That's being retarded. And I don't really want to use that word. See, that's where it tells you that that's probably... You and I spoke about that today, Aquila. And I wonder... Or, I'm sorry, another friend of mine, we spoke about that. And guys, a lot of guys can't have a female as a friend. It's either a girlfriend or it's nothing. And those guys need to really wake up because guess what? You're going to have a lot of great female friends. No sex, no nothing. It's a friend. It's like your sister. Wake up, people. And that's for both Mm -hmm. sex. Oh, that irks me. (laughs) Well, this is one reason why I do not, well, no longer answer Skype requests, like befriend requests, well, it's from a man or woman, because it just gets way out of hand. So I just figured I won't ask for a man or woman. If you wish to speak to me, ask me a question. That's why I come on the show. Ask your question. Yeah, I guess thirteen. Yeah, I get the. Uh, uh. Anyhow, that that's. That's totally between you and him, her. <laughs> wow. But when when the other partner or the other sex doesn't want to have the benefits, then at least have common sense. Okay, that's a friend. That's a sister. A brother. Whatever. No, guest 13, I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> so sorry. Maybe Aquila Uh-oh. does, but I don't. Not in this life. I wouldn't even let you touch my dogs. <laughs> so sad. Wow. Oh, my. So sad. Let's go, sorry. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. Uh, Moving forward. Moving forward. Wow. I used to operate operate heavy equipment, guys. And I dealt with so many men that you had family men. You had cheaters. 
You had brothers and sisters. You had all kinds. But the ones that would screw with me were the ones, I can't talk to you unless I get a benefit. Well, guess what? You're not getting a benefit. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'm here I'm here to work. I'm here to put in my hours. I'm here to get my pension, my annuity. See ya. Then go home to my son. We have sports to do. We have many things to do. I don't have time for I went there to work. I'm going to leave there, leave and work. I don't have time for that. And I was that good on the equipment, I would show down those guys. I would show, actually, I would show them up. I would show them up on their own fucking equipment that they thought, hey, only a man can do. Really? Let me get in that seat, sweetheart. (laughs) I'll show you how that equipment runs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I work with uh, mostly men. Um, Rarely, rarely with a woman. I don't find too many women in the same type of business I do. I have a few, but mostly it's men. But I already tell them what's up, and I don't have any problem. Well, like I told you, I used to do classes for females and friends, or males. How to how to um, do small maintenance on your home, electric, plumbing, you name it. Also with your vehicle. And ladies would, the people in my class would thank me so much because they were always getting screwed. Now, it was nothing for me to pick up because I, I, I'm a tomboy. I came from the country. I came from goat carts, the horses, the cows, the goats, you name it. Tractors, whatever. So it was not for me to pick up a, a, a chainsaw. And cut down a tree. Do this. I mean, it was. It was. It would. It's automatic. I was raised that way. I was raised with so many awesome um, skills. knowledge, skills. Yeah, about skills. From planting gardens to raising them to picking them to canning. Homemade, everything was homemade in my in my family. Everything to the neighbors. Riding a horse. Actually, I was talking to a female tonight, and she had a horse farm. So we ended up getting talking about horses. And she lo- I loved the bareback. Oh, ride that horse without a saddle. I loved it. And that she also did, too. <laughs> and... <laughs> So we we were talking about horses tonight. Anyhow. Okay. Uh, 13, you gotta... If I had that mute button, I would mute you out. 
because <laughs> that has really has gotten old. Well, yeah, I still do electric plumbing, all that. It's no big deal, you know. No, give me that mute button. I'll show. I'll show you how it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's why most times I try not to read the chat. They type stuff about me as well. So, hey, I, I can text uh, Carl and see if he's still up. Sure. Why not? All right, let me hang up. Sure. Let me hang up. Wonderful if he come on the call. All right. Well, nine thirty one. Sorry, thirteen. I like the horse, not the pie. (laughs) Wait a minute. What's going on? I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I didn't catch it. What are you talking about? <laughs> See you laughing. I don't know. Anyway, let's keep it moving. <laughs> Cheyenne. Like I said, they type stuff about me, so I tend not to read the chat too much. So, Port 7, do you have a question or comment um, about lore, something you're trying to learn, or something you seek about the lore, Um, or guest 13, North Virginia, supposedly Illinois, but Rodney K as well. Ports, are you still on? Um, type it type yeah. it into a chat. And if Aquila has the time, and if she wants to, she uh, just did an experiment with her tags. So let's, Ports, if you're still on. Okay, Aquila, are you willing? I could talk about it, you know. Um... To point to point, um, don't don't spread it out. Short and sweet. Yeah, basically, it's just really simple. Um, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, a man and woman is not re- listening. Go ahead. For, okay, a man and woman is not required to have a driver's license. A lot of that we know. Also, you not required to have your car registered and get license plates for your car. Um, however, um, what I did, you can get Tyler only. I have gotten that for a different car. And also, you can get, uh, it's, I don't know what it's called where you at, but here it could be souvenir plate, you know, that's what it's called here. Um, and that plate is, you know, not, is it illegal to put on your motor vehicle, just so you know? But I don't have a mosey hipper, so um, that wouldn't have taken to me. Um, and anyways, I ordered those plates, and I'm hopefully receive them soon. And I can use those for whatever I wish. I can put it on my wall and you know, my property. My, you know, I'll do put it on my car. So, and 
you must know there's a difference between a motor vehicle, which they call it, they name it, but that's not what I call my property. It's just that simple. So, and the other part of this I was working on and still is, is the part where, you know, a lot of people get insurance, but um, there's a way about it. I'm looking into that. And when I found out and I got it just down packed, you know, what to do about that, just in case someone hit me or if I hit them, you know, if it's something small, yeah, perhaps I could pay for it, but become really a lot of money. Let's say they have to do hospital time, they, they would be their motor vehicle is total damage. And so I would have to make them whole again and compensate. So, so I'm looking at you doing that, okay? Um, so if you have any questions about that, and if you wish to also, there's, there's a proper way. A lot of people say, I don't use the driver's license. Yeah, I did go get one, but I don't use it. I ripped it up. I just leave it home. I don't, it's in an old drawer. I don't even know. I don't use it. Well, you might not have the piece of paper in your hand, but you are still on that public record that you are a driver. Okay, until you correct that record. So basically what you, what it took you to fill out application, sign that application to obtain, get that license and use of that license, you can also take it back and they have forms that you can fill out, I guess, uh, to give that license back because you no longer wish to be in a system. So there's always a proper way of doing things. And also, if you wish to port traveling, I'm not sure what episodes it is, but I actually called the down here's Department of Motor Vehicles um, and had some interesting conversations with them. So you can go back to my earlier calls, even though I'm not sure which episode, but it was I'll say it was in in February sometime. And maybe a little bit. So maybe listen to the some late January, February. You can listen to some of those calls in early March. Um, you will hear it. So if you go back on my earlier calls, it's that a help. So, but I'm not. As I said, I don't tell anyone what to do or what not to do. It's up to you. I'm just telling you what I did and what I've learned and what I understand and believe it to be. So that's where I'm at with that. Now let's keep it moving. Um, as I say, anyone have a question or comment, that'd be fine to chime in. So anyhow, yeah. first, I wanted, I wanted her to explain what she was going through. That's on her, that is on her state, Virginia.
So I hope that was clear. Um, if you have a question about that, you can type it in the chat. I'll try to answer it. Um, Ports family and folks, or whomever. It's not just you. Uh, anyone else have a question about that? That might be nice. We could discuss it, talk about it. Just to, um, so you get clear on that. But that's something you might want to look into where you at. See how that works. Like I said, they might be called souvenir plates, also vanity plates. I don't know. You know, something someone might get and put it on their wall so it's not a license plate, even though because it looks a bit similar. And you can actually personalize it, whatever you want to put on it. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to, when I do receive the plates, I might give a chance. If you guess what's on the plate, I would say yes. If you don't, then I'm not going to continue that. Because this is not important, because I, I, I doubt you'll find a public record of what they are. It's their souvenir place. And everyone look up the word souvenir. Souvenir. Can't pronounce it correctly. Souvenir plates on your state. Um. Yeah. Or vanity. Don't forget, because they might they might say vanity. I'm not sure what where are, wherever you are, what they're going to call. But you might want to describe like somebody would put up only a ball wall. You know. So, there you go. Or just a souvenir. You might be want to um, give a gift to someone or for yourself. So, you can look that up. So, anyways, I'm counting down the time. If I don't receive those seats by March the 22nd, I'll probably give it a couple of days. And I don't think I will be calling the DMV, well, the Department of Motor Vehicles, to your back. And I'll, you know, record that conversation as well. What's going on? I call on maybe you want to make one call just on your recordings. About what? Just on your recordings. I did, well, actually, I played the recording. Right. But you want to make a call. One talks you of just your recordings. Oh, I and then upload that. Right. Um, and then and then just put um a caption, traveling or whatever calls to DMV, whatever. 
Well, I would have, should, probably could, but I'm not. And reason being, um, I want, well, I hope somebody would go and look it up for themselves and then come on and tell their story. Because basically, I mean, when I heard uh, K. Rodney once he was talking about this quite some time, I mean, on many shows, I, I think they started with Sonya Call and some other calls. And I didn't catch on right away. It sounded really good. I mean, trust me, I've been seeking for it. I'm not trying to uh, continue to get rent, pay reservations, property tax, all this stuff every year. And I'm like, who would want to do that? If there was a way, you didn't have, you know, why not? So when I I was very interested in what they were saying, interested rather in what they were saying, and I would listen and take it in, marinate in my mind, and think about it, and start doing some research okay. on my own. Okay, read the chat. Me? Yes. <laughs> Okay, I'll read this. It said, I have written letters to the DMV, the Secretary of State, and the Governor. All reply, no law obligates a man to obtain, I guess, driver's license, DL. That being said, a driver is required. What? (laughs) Yes, a driver is required to have a license, if that's the role you wish to play. But, you know, you said you written to the DMV Secretary of State, and they did tell you no man is obligated. Great. But if you still hold that license, there's no proper way to give it back if that's something you wish to do. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, so what is your question? Uh, what's failing about that? I mean, you did say things that you did, but um, I don't see where you asked a question. You said no question. There you go. Made a bunch of statements. That's cool. No question. Okay. But I just say all should look in for themselves. Um, check things for yourself. Now, I can point you in the right, uh, you know, I point in the right direction where something might, might can get that help or look up some words, listen to some recordings. By all means, I always, I listen to Paul's recordings. That would truthfully, truthfully help me tremendously in many ways more than one. I'll put it that way. And at times I still do listen. Um, and as I said, you, I listen to some things over and over and I get something else, something different, different insight, you know, sometime. And hey, so it's good to go back and listen from the source that helped you get to the point where you are today. Nothing wrong with that. So, uh, Cheyenne, did you make that phone call? 
Yes. He's in bed. Okay. Let's keep it moving then. <laughs> okay. Kay Rodney is very quiet this evening. Do you have a question or comment? Okay. So, uh, Cheyenne, are you making any suggestions this week? Tommy, this is Sunday. Am I doing what? Sunday evening. Dessert. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to make. Okay. I haven't done any baking lately, truth be told. Been quite busy on this job, and I'm about to be um, done soon, and I'll just focus on that. And just take a quick break, and after that, um, sometime go out filming this week coming in, I'll be headed to New York. They'll start spreading the news. I'm going to New York again. He didn't Don't have go. New York. <laughs> I just like to visit, especially my family. Jeez, so. on Lewis, Lewis, he said it was easily 5,000 people just on his block a day. You can have sure it. passing through. Sure, probably passing through. That's quite true, especially in Manhattan. Oh my, I'm a country really girl. Good. Sorry. That doesn't that does not work out for me. Okay. Well I could have either or it didn't matter. But uh I like uh I like a suburban area. I do. <laughs> it's quieter, I'll say that. I'll take the country anytime. It's really quiet. <laughs> I mean, well, it's not very, very quiet. I mean, you hear the birds, you hear the, you just different sounds. Let's just say. But it's not as noisy as making noise with uh, the cars, the people, just, just back and forth. So, that's pretty good. I can live with that. It's all right. And we'll uh, give you a new trip to New York, Cheyenne. <laughs> Central Colorado is on the call. You have a comment or question? I know you just got on. Um, you have to go back and listen. I'm just uh, talking about. Hey, Aquila. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Good, 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 good. I see you keep coming on the call, so that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in spite of what the call could be, it would be, shall we say, interesting at times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does get interesting. 
Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, hey, I just deal with it. Why not? It happens. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, basically I was started out with um, some of my cases I did and learned about and some of the mistakes I've made. And You've one, made I some mistakes? Sure. Not <laughs> In the beginning. In the beginning when I was first learning about this stuff, when I had learned about call, I mean, I had some of the words down pat, you know, um, if I recall correctly, the first time I met Carl, I had wrote up, stuff from listening to what he said, I wrote like two or three sentences on a piece of paper. And he corrected yeah. a couple of words. Because I had, he, you know, I required a man and woman to come forth with a verified claim, I said. But he corrected to their verified claim. If you want them to come with, because anybody, they can come with one from you, run from Cheyenne, run from whoever, and bring that claim. But I want them to bring their claim. That man or woman, excuse me, I want that man or woman to bring their claim, not a claim, just theirs. And so that was corrected, and I understand why, you know. And so, but I still didn't know much, you know. And I remember going to court, and I put that piece of paper in, and that was the beginning. And I said I would require a court, a, a trial, a jury, no, a trial by jury. I also put that on that piece of paper. And when I handed it to, uh, I said, this is for the judge, and I gave one to the other side. And I'm telling you, their countenance changed. I mean, it was the wrong case. It was the, all of a sudden, it, it's, it's like everything stood still. And, but I didn't know what was going on at the time. I didn't know why or what was happening. And But I did notice that change when I gave them that piece of paper. And I think I actually had a stamp thing downstairs, and I brought it upstairs and gave it to them. And and so they said they kind of passed, and they came back to my case and said, oh, well, the judge said, well, we don't do that type of court here. There's no court of record here. I said, oh, you don't? He said, no, nah, we don't do that. Yeah, you know, no. And I didn't know what else to say or do. Okay? But then they scheduled to rehear that case. And they had a different judge. I noticed that. Then there was another time um, I was sending paperwork and actually... I, I still wasn't convinced or didn't understand the difference between legal law and what my, the common law, the law that was coming to me, what I was writing and doing and what Carl was doing. But I said, well, I'm going to try something. So it so happened that the, the man who was helping me and a couple of other women, the legal way of, I, by the way, we were doing foreclosure stuff. That was that's what we were doing. I haven't been foreclosure yet. They haven't. Was trying to stop mine. So, anyways, um, so when the guy was who was helping us, and he was supposed to show up to the court, he didn't come, you know. And that day, I remember writing a piece of paper. I wrote two or three things down real quick. I still have copies of that. And I went, you know, because the court was at 
9.30, I think, and I came here probably about 9, it's about 9.15 at the time. And I gave it to the lady. I said, I just came to put an answer in this case. And so she was like, okay. So she stamped my, I said, can you stamp these two, ma'am? Because I didn't have time to go make a copy and all that. So she stamped one upstairs. And I gave that to the lawyer and the judge. And I didn't know what else to say, so I was up talking first, and and I, I remember she, I said, oh, are you, are you trying to administrate my state? I asked her, that. I said, no, I'm not trying to administrate your state. But um, she was talking about her that was old, and I didn't know what else to say, what else to do. It's like I was lost for work, so they were mm. completely over me. I lost the case, and even the judge said, he told the lawyer, he said, well, if you want to appeal this, you can, but what we're going to do, we're going to put a bond on it. And she asked the lawyer, shall we set like a 3000 bond? Now, she's not supposed to be doing that, telling him what to do with his case. She's only supposed to be witness what's going on. But once again, I didn't, once again, didn't know what was going on, what was happening. And so to, in order even to appeal that, it was $3,000 I would have to put up. So I lost. Boom, I went home. Didn't feel so good about it. And now, you know, because I was, as I said, I was trying to do some call stuff and then also had this guy helping. And like I said, as I said, he didn't show up, so I, I was trying to sleep. And so anyway, lost that, went home. And I was like, really, like, what do I do next? And so I called it. So I was like, well, maybe I can set a new. So I called them up to ask them so, because they said I had 10 days to make that decision and I'm going to appeal it or what. And so anyways, I called the courts and they wasn't to see how many more days I had. And she was like, wait a minute, they rescheduled to rehear this case. And I said, what do you mean? Because I know I had to put up this $3,000 bond and, up there, I didn't, you know, if I wanted to pill. But they was rescheduled your hill, and not, once again, not knowing what was going on. He said, because we got new evidence or something, or new documents, something she used. I don't even call it at this time. And I, see, we received new evidence or documents, something like that, she said. And I said, okay. And I finished speaking with her. And I'll probably say, well, I know I didn't tell any more paperwork. So I called up this guy. Did you tell any more paperwork? He said, no. I'm like, well, how are they setting a new court date when they clearly told me I had to pay $3,000 to appeal and I hadn't filed any paperwork to even appeal? How in the world are they hearing this again? It's because I put in those two or three sentences of what I heard about Carl, what he was saying. That's why they were hearing but I still didn't get it at the time, didn't understand what was going on. I didn't even go to that court. But the guy who was helping us, he said, no, I don't go. We get paid by paper, and I didn't go. And so once again, by not showing up, I lose again. <laughs> and all the paperwork I was putting in, what he was saying, didn't work. And so that's why I'm totally, totally, uh, this is just me. I'm not putting putting statue in codes and trying to use their stuff. And when it's not mine, I'm not into that at all. I, I didn't work out for me. I know it don't work. So it's like, why would I continue that way when I know it doesn't work? 
I tested, I tried it. And even I told you guys before I even met Carl, knew about Carl. Um, my beginnings were, because I never got in trouble, never had to deal with any of this. My beginnings of learning about this legal law was when, you know, someone that worked for me got what's going to get reported. And so, you know, he hired a lawyer, and I was trying to help out with the case. And I remember the lawyer was like, there's nothing much you can do. They're probably going to deport him. Like, well, then what are he paying you for? So, I, so you know, so I had to do a power attorney. So this guy, English wasn't the best. So um, I was just fired that lawyer. But then I had to do this on my own. I said, there has to be another way. There must be another way. This can't be just it. And that's what I remember thinking. And I was praying, just trying to find out what I do next, what, how I can even begin to know what to do. And I started calling up friends of mine. Somebody told me about the malls. And I said, okay, well, let me check that out. So I checked it out. I was telling them some things they told me. Like one thing was telling me uh, that I was, uh, you know, that was my public service and, and I would ask, you know, are they trying to administrate my estate? The estate is like your property, yourself. Your estate could be your money, your clothes, your shoes, your body, everything. It's the same as your property, okay? So that's what that was. But anyways, I uh, asked, you know, um, you know, asked the morals what I do, and he was showing some things. And I began to do I would get in court and say a few words, but... I didn't understand the legal ease language, like I don't know what some of the words they would use. I didn't even understand them. I didn't know what they meant. And I would ask questions. The teacher was speaking at the class with the more. It's like everybody would gather around trying to ask a quick question. I would ask a few and try to write it down quickly so I could remember because I had a court thing coming up that very week. And... I remember I tried, they said, if you um, asked, uh, you want to see proof that the uh, attorney could administrate your estate. And they told me bring a copy of the birth certificate, a copy that I am the Beckinsale administrator. Let me explain that a bit. Um, a lot of know, us know here um, that when you die, you leave a administrate to administrate your estate. Like, whatever you have left over, I want this you know, your children to get this, you want this one to get that, and they see that they all work. And they act as if they are you. That's how much power they have. Okay, there's Akatel and who is administrating the state. So I had papers and I was to do a power journey as well. And so I was able to get up and speak and write all the paperwork. Um anyway, so I remember going to that court date. This was in the moms and pop court, this is the regular general court, um, he was charged with, uh, I'm not going to even go into what he was charged with, it was something petty, no felonies, nothing like that. One of them was drunk in public, I'll just leave that. Anyway, <laughs> um, I went at that court and I remember I had a copy of his first a copy of the letter that I'm doing power attorney and it's actually a uh, uh, administrator of his estate bank. So I said, when they called his name, I said, I want to see proofs this week. And I was angry at this time. 
because they were getting on me, tricking me, because I didn't see it. And I said, I want to see proof that this DA can administrate this estate. And I, but when I first got up, I told her I was like this because I was so angry. I said, this is for you and this is for you. So I gave it to the bailiff and gave it to the judge. And I said, while the judge was looking at the paperwork and the DA, he was looking at the paperwork. Well, he didn't even take it from me at first. And, and the judge said, is he dead? I said, you have a copy of his live birth right there. And at that moment, the, coach, the judge was like, I got to take a recess. And he jumped up and left. I'm like, you know, because they told me this is what happened. Just want to get up and leave. And then he will come yeah. back, and you have to challenge him again. And then he'll get up and leave, and three times he will leave. And the last time <laughs> he will say it, that man or woman, basically what Carl say, but I didn't say, they didn't say it that way, that have I damaged, have I harmed another man, you know, and that's basically I should have asked. And, but, you know, I didn't even get a chance to. But by me sitting there all three times, and I didn't even say anything, the judge ran out the court. Okay, that happened one incident. And then another time I came to court, and... This was, the, this was after he saw the certificate of live birth? Correct. Yeah. And also the uh, paperwork that I was the administrator for this estate. Because he cannot administrate that one of us is a liar. You know, I'm telling the truth, or he's not. So if we both doing it, he can't act past that. But I'll get into that later. That doesn't matter. But um, this is what actually happened. And this before I met Carl, you know, I'm just saying. And then the next time I went to court, this three judges actually got up the same out the room. So the second judge, well, this was a woman judge. And I remember they kept telling this guy just what they did because they saw, and I'm telling you how tricky these people are. So when I went to the court, they and they say, okay, we're going to rehear it on the sixth. But actually, I said, okay, that was um, let's say I went to the court on Monday, and the sixth would have been Wednesday. And so I said, okay, so I was left, went home, and so the guy called me from the jail, and I said, okay, we got to get ready, you know, be careful what you say. I wouldn't say this, say this, and so I actually called them. I said, wait a minute, let me call and see when it's the next court date. And still being Wednesday, it was Tuesday, the very next day, because they did not want me there at all. And they just wanted to talk to him by himself. And I found that, and I showed up, and they were surprised I was there. And what they did, so he couldn't see me, because I would show him, no, don't say that, say this, you know. Yeah, and so what they did, they took all the bellas, like three or four of them stood around him, so he couldn't see me. And the judge said, I know mm-hmm. you want to go home. You know, I'm probably going to just dismiss this. But what they was going to do when it's out of the state court hands, and they sent him to the federal court with the immigration. And I knew this is what they were going to do. And so they wouldn't let me see him, and I was trying to talk. So anyway, that's what happened. They sent him to the federal court, okay? And this was like the immigration court. And so then I came, so I'm doing more paperwork, asking questions. And that's when that's when I should have told you about where I, I told the judge I'm administrating this state. And so what the decision was, they're going to get him back from the federal court and bring him back to the state court because of the paperwork and what I said. And that's what they did. So now he once again in the regular court. But once again, I didn't know what to do. I'm just trying my best. And 
you know, I just it's like I keep stopping them, slowing them down, but never just completing the job because I didn't know how, I, you know. And and so then I tried the day when they uh, I went back to the court, tried again. They overcrossed me as usual, and then they sent him back to the federal court, okay? And what I did was I went to the federal court. This is the immigration court. And I remember getting up and saying to the judge, um, same sort of thing, um, I'm the administrator. I want to see proof that this DA can administrate this estate. And the judge was so angry with me that he pointed and he said, get out my courtroom. And that, I said, you know, but I was upset what they was doing as well, and I was angry. So I said, no, I'm the chief administrator here. That's when they called a bunch of the bells to come, and they was like, ma'am, you got to go. You got to go, and they started touching me, like trying to pull me. I said, take your hands off of me. I will sue you. I can walk on my own. And I said, I, said, I realize all here is public service. I give you no permission to contact me. And that's when they took their hands off me. And this is a federal court. And so when I walked out, they said, you know, the FBI is on the way up. They're going to talk to you. I said, I'm not scared of the FBI, whatever. But truthfully, I was trembling, but I didn't let them see that. And I just walked out. And then the guy who I was helping, like I said, um, not just him, I have a bunch of them. Um, he called me. He said the FBI came and interviewed him and said, who is that woman? <laughs> and he was like, oh, no, she's just a friend. Um, basically, he told And I was, when he told me that they questioned him about me, and I, was, I didn't like that either. So I know they listened to me. When you go on jail calls, they listen in, and they probably record it as well. And I said, first of all, I said, anyone ask you about me, if they come back and ask you, tell them to come see me directly. I said, because I have something more powerful than them. I'm not scared of any of them. I have God in my life, so I'm not scared of them. You know, but I never heard from anybody. No one came to see me, questioned me, nothing. Serious. So that's somewhat... With my background, where I came from, trying to learn this stuff, and I'm so happy. You know, I'm 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 not happy that I had to go through all these things to get to this point. And I told you my story how I met Carl, heard about him, and ever since, um, tell you the truth, um, I've been enlightened. I've been, let's just say, better equipped to help fight my case and. Defend myself if I have to. I know what to do. So that's always good. Does anyone have a question or comment? Hello? Okay. Then, uh, Greg, you have a question or comment? I'll just ask oh, it's just a, just a comment. It's, <clears throat> it's probably partially me and this phone that I'm on, but it's difficult for me to hear and understand <clears throat> what you're saying. I feel like I got about really? 40, 40% of it. Can you hear me okay? I can. How about huh. now? Yeah, I mean, I, my hearing is, it's, I've got tinnitus. It's it's not the, the, the best. And I, <laughs> um, I'm laughing. Seriously, let me clarify. I'm not laughing at you, but that's something called saying I have tinnitus. You know, uh, can no, you I write actually, it down? 
<laughs> yeah. No, but I actually do. It's like this perpetual okay. ringing in my ears. Um, okay. But, but I've, noticed, um, I've noticed Skype calls are crystal clear. They're amazing. Um, yeah, okay. because the cell service call is, wow, well, we struggle on them. Okay. Well, actually, but, this uh, is recorded, so. Yeah. And yeah, I, w- I poked around a little bit, was trying to find that document that Jeffrey was uh, referring to that Bali made, and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't locate it. Okay. I'm not that. I'm not honestly not that concerned about it. Um, I'm curious. Um, you know, I'd like to see this so-called evidence that Jeffrey's pointing to. I'd like to see that for myself. But, um, you know, ultimately, to me, it uh, it doesn't really <clears throat> have an effect on the value that, uh, that Carl has been for me. So it wouldn't have much of an impact. It may be an interesting little development for sure, but <laughs> okay. I don't know. Is, is Jeffrey on the call? Um, I don't see. So yeah. I'm going to say probably not. Yeah. But if it do, he went on to let you know that. And What's he probably would say something. Actually, if, if he does, I can let you know that. Let's say that. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 But as for me, all this stuff I hear, hearsay, you know, doesn't matter. I'm I'm not I don't listen to that stuff, you know. I hear it. Yeah. I just keep it moving because see, I came too far, let's say. I have so much experience now and my eyes is open. So I hear and I know what is true. Okay. Right. You know, do I know every case every situation? No, I do not. But I've done this myself, you know and worked on this myself, experienced it. So I know what Carl was saying. Um, it's true, okay? And why is, all, you know, all of us, you know, all of us is here because of him. You know, and you've been here a couple of years now. And how, why would you follow something that's not true? And you will hear all kinds of accusations. You're going to hear all kinds of accusations. But, okay, we're hearing all that. Where is the evidence? You know, because the brother, whoever is bringing forth, you know, accused or saying, you know, like I asked Stephanie all the time, I said, okay, you're saying Bally said that. Great. Okay. But you're posting it and you're saying it's true. I asked you, you believe it? Yes, it's true. Because Bally said, oh, it's true. Great. Why don't you sign your name and say it's true? Yeah, I think you said that Bally has sort of a signed uh, uh, statement out there on the net somewhere. No, I told I told um, Jeff. <clears throat> why don't he do it? Since he's the one who's posting that stuff up here, you know. As yeah. it, it's just like somebody put the news in and they post it up there. Well, well they, Jeffrey's obviously he's obviously on a mission to um, kind of destroy the validity of what Carl is doing uh, in the public, and. Um, 
Yeah, I don't quite understand fully where he's coming from on that. He probably just does not understand what Carl's doing. I know it took me quite a long time to uh, gain some sort of an understanding. But for Jeffrey, it's probably he probably just does not hear what um, what Carl's saying. But I think it does take a while actually get it to hear it so that could be well, it but i don't know i don't know it's interesting maybe you got face one coming on the calls you know slamming carl it's just interesting well you could ask him he's on the call now oh good <laughs> one face is here um one face but getting back, but getting back to jeffrey um i have no thought any tangible what he's saying or what he posts, well, I don't really watch what he posts up. I don't waste my time, but I hear other things yeah. he posts this. And he said he posts stuff up. I mean, I have saw some things he posts when I heard about it in the beginning, but I don't waste my time with that now. To me, it's nonsense. Yeah. You know, either he's jealous or hating, who knows, but never come with the proof. Why? Mm-hmm. You know? And so and so, I'm like, why waste my time? Why even indulge in that? I'm not, that's not why I'm here. I'm here. As I said, I tell you my testimony for my beliefs, and I'm here to love, whatever that may be. And, I mean, even yeah. though you might hear a lot of talking back and forth, back and forth, and upsetting, you know, at times, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it makes me stronger, let's just say. Even when they come in mm-hmm. that person, I might not necessarily wish to answer or deal with at the time, but I do. And my reason for doing so, because it's, like I said, making me strong, get me to thinking, get sharper, you know, what I would do, you know, speak the truth for what's in my heart um, and say it. And that's all I can do. Yeah. So I, I'll just say I came a long way um, in learning what I do know, and I know it well. And as I said, I check it out I, for myself, you know, and many things I heard on the call, you know, sound good, same, right, same. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've had a lot of uh, but, direct experience that validates what Carl is saying, for sure. I've had some really interesting phone conversations with uh, various um, clerks at the court. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but the other thing that struck me after that little conversation with Jeffrey and Face One, you know, they continually seem to be asking, you know, where are the success stories? Where are they? We haven't heard any. You know, and then it struck me that um, this common law, Carl Lentz, quote, method is really, really effective. Um when you're sort of playing defense, you know, before court, um, I've had quite a bit of success helping other people with silly little things. I had a friend in government housing and the local housing authority was um, trying to um, kick her out. You know, they're trying to get her on, on a, on the third strike, right. And you're out. And uh, 
So we just, it was just as easy as sending over a couple of letters and completely cleared the record of, you know, it just amounted to misunderstandings and we just cleared, cleared things up and that was it. Did some follow-up letters and, you know, it was pretty simple. But otherwise, I'm sure they would have um, administrated her right out of her home, which would have been a huge problem for her. She would have been on the street. So, but that was easy. That was simple. And uh, I'm sure, you know, things like that are happening all the time for people. I'm sure there mm-hmm. are, yeah, I'm sure there are, you know, plenty of little successes happening along those same kinds of lines. Yeah. And it's like, and to say show proof all the time, or what is called truth? Well, what is show proof that don't work? How about that? How about yeah. you try to see what, how it works for you? Then you could truthfully say, okay, I know that don't work. But try it yourself. Before yeah. you know, just like I say, okay, peach ice cream tastes terrible. Well, if I never tasted it, because a bunch of people told me it tastes terrible to them, it's not good, so I wouldn't try that peach ice cream. But unless I try it, I could truly say, yep. If you're correct, it doesn't taste good, it's no good, then I can say that. But how could I say that if I didn't do it myself or checked it myself? So there you go. Mm-hmm. All hearsay, 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 more hearsay. Yeah. You know, and why you worry about what other people's experiences, uh, what, they, what they've done. I can only tell you my testimony. It's like I... Many times I do construction work, electric plumbing. How you guys know I'm telling the truth? But well, I'm at the point. If you believe me, I don't care. If you don't believe me, I don't care because see, I know what I do. You know, I know what's real. You don't, and yeah. I do. At the end of the day, if you want to prove me wrong, well, then you come and check it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the the other thing I've been thinking about lately is that I'm about to jump in and start helping another friend of mine who um, he's actually already been convicted of. A, so they went the lawyer route. I tried to talk to him and and kind of gave up on him. They were committed to getting a lawyer, and so that's what they did. Spent thirty thousand dollars on the guy. And um, a lot of money. Yeah, well, it was a pretty serious case. He was facing possible jail time. Um, so basically, he, uh, what I understand is he downloaded a file folder of pornography, basically, from a peer-to-peer network. And when he opened it, he discovered that there was <laughs> there was some stuff that you know <laughs> you sh- shouldn't be there. Put it that way. 
So he immediately deleted all of that stuff. And in the course of the trial, uh, well, the, the state's investigation, they forensically, as part of what they proved forensically is that he deleted um, those images pretty much immediately. Um, so, I mean, that was the extent of what he did, but in exchange for that, his life has been pretty much destroyed. He's on the, um, I guess, the sex offender list now and was fired from his job. He's a computer um, programmer guy. Um, so their lives are pretty much um, <laughs> devastated at this point. And um, so I told him, I said, uh, well, <laughs> you know, you, you believed in the lawyer. You put your faith and trust in a lawyer because you believed in him. You thought that was the right thing to go do, and here you are. So isn't that interesting? And, um, you know, maybe maybe you guys want to sit down and chat with me now. <laughs> so, so that's what we're going to do. And, uh, but the, what I was thinking about is that this guy, his profession is um, software programming. And so I, I started thinking about the, that um, he's, in a, he's in a very good position uh, because in programming, each word, each term has a very specific, very exact function and effect. And the same is true in law with language and words right? So words become very, very important. So he'll be able to relate to that immediately. And uh, yeah, and then we'll just get down to looking at different words and talking about uh, the various meanings and um, kind of go from there. But you know, uh, have you encouraged him to listen to call? I'm sorry? Have you pointed him in the direction of listening to call? Call, call. Uh, his His wife. I don't know if they oh. have um, listened to Carl at all. But, uh... It helped me very tremendously, so I'll just mention it. Because it helped me, and it still helped me to this day. Yeah, well, Carl's good at explaining uh, principles, the basic principles and the basic distinctions, which if you don't have, you're, you know, it's hopeless. Hmm. So distinction between man and person and really understanding that one is huge. Difference between legal and lawful is huge. And most people okay. don't have any idea, you know. And that's the sad part. And no yeah. matter how you try to talk to them and tell them, they got in their mind a totally different 
and just to try to visit. So, you know, some would ask me questions and help with them. They would go back to the legal side, and they come back here trying to do the book. So I just let it be, and you know, and let them do whatever they wish to do. Now, when it's all said and done, now they come back. They wish for me to help. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to tell yeah. them the same thing. And then I call them, they, they call, call me, and they still have not. The question they asked me, I told them what I would do, and if you still have not done it, and you still come back and ask me again, I'm going to tell you the same thing. A couple of months past, now you come back, I'm like, come on. Either you're going to do it or you're not. I mean, it's your case, hmm. not mine. Yeah, something else oh. I've been thinking about is that it's it's almost like it's it's actually impossible for someone to, you know, to to do the thing that you want them to do until they actually see it for themselves or understand it for themselves. Because up until that point, to them, they're just they they really don't understand what you're talking about, and it just I think it makes people nervous to um, take actions, especially in a court context when you really know that you don't know what you're doing. That's a very uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, somehow you got to gain experience or just go over your mind until you get it. If something clicks for you, you get it. Or right. continue to listen or experience it. And you try to experience the thing, you see, well, it actually did work. You know, it's like all day I can tell you how to make this cake and continue to tell you how to make it. Unless you mm-hmm. go and try and make it and do it, you're just going by what, I, what you heard me say. How about you go and check some words out and try it? Then you will know. Even yep. if you didn't do it correct the first time, you say, okay. And I'll ask you, well, then uh, you come back and say, I said, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you put the butter in? Did you put eggs? Oh, I forgot to put eggs in. Okay, well, who's, who's mistake is that? It's like, if you pay me, say, close, tell me how to make a German chocolate cake. I'll pay you $10. Say, okay, here's the recipe. Here's the instruction. And you pay me the $10. Then you go and try to go make this cake. It didn't turn out correctly. Now you're mad at me. What? I'm like, wait a minute. I paid you $10. Your recipe didn't work. Quilla, this is not right. Wait a minute. Let's see what went on. Then you, then you tell me. No, I didn't put in any eggs. Well, look in the recipe. Is there an egg over here? You say, well, I put the mm-hmm. egg, but I put them in. I put the whole egg in. I put the whole egg. You said put the whole egg. Yeah, I put the shells and everything in. Well, how that's going to work out for you? Either sometimes they try to do overdo it, or they don't do it just right, or leave stuff out, or add their own words. Or even if they call and wrote the paperwork, okay, then they go, they'll change something or they'll say something different. That's just one word. I was listening to call, I think it was the Tennessee call. He was telling, telling his story how his dad was talking with him. And that sometimes it's just one word Yep. that mess up your whole entire, because that one word could change your whole meaning to something totally different. Mhm. That one word. Yep. 
Just like I'm going to use the word new, even though they both spell different. Like I, like I, it's like to know you or I knew you. That's K N E W, E W rather. And then I say this is some new shoes. Well, that means no one had rolled them. They're brand new shoes. That even though they sound the same, now you put that word. If you say these is new shoes, and put N E W in your paperwork when you should have put new K N E W. That one word going to mess your whole meaning, your whole paperwork, your whole meaning. See? And and this is the point. So if you don't understand, and sometimes it's good if someone helping you or telling you, you know, telling you what they would do, ask questions. You're talking about the new or you're talking about the new shoes or you're talking about what you know. That's the new you're talking about. Yep. And, you know, ask, you know, if you don't know, hey, and even go up. over it with, good evening, and go over it what's going on. But they don't. Who's speaking? Uh, Kay Roddy. Oh, wow. I've been, I uh, asked about you a couple of times. You didn't speak, but that's fine. How are you? I was just, I was just doing some reading. But okay. how, come, how come you accept Carl's? information without any verifiable evidence. You do have verifiable evidence. Okay, let's say this. You know, when Jeffrey checks the record, Carl, you know. I Carl check the record. doesn't really have and anything, how, I don't think. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll say this is what I'll just only speak what I did. When I first heard a call, it like spoke to my heart. It was true. I mean, when you hear truth, you just, you just know. But I didn't know how it was all going on. So as I told you in the beginning, when I heard him, I wrote some of the stuff down, and I tried it at the court. And I saw the difference that it worked. But at the time, I didn't know fully what was going on, okay? But how I know for sure, because through my experience, not only what he said, but what I experienced and what did work for me and what does work for me today. That's that's even more proof to you know, not only what I felt in my heart to be true, but actually my experience of doing some of the things he said he did. And I actually did look at his documents. Um, he posted them. I checked that out. Okay? So that's how I believe. If that is, you know, your question. I think Roddy's trying to what Roddy's trying to say is that Carl Lentz is a fraud. I think that's the case that Roddy's trying to prove. Well, he could prove it to himself, not to Roddy, because I already know. Thank you for speaking for me on my behalf. But no, uh, what yeah, I'm trying to say is you're welcome. The, the record shows that <laughs> everything he said has been misrepresented. All right, the, say, uh, say something do, specifically. Doasic did another YouTube one. They you get the records from. Bali case that Carl brags about. Mm-hmm. That's not what Carl presents it. Okay. Well, I have not seen what Jeffrey put up or what he said, but why I'm would just I saying care? It, 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 I it's mean, very okay. harmful or not wise to trust somebody's word for something that, first of all, happened, you know, so many thousands of miles away hard to check the record, and when the guy that was involved 
is no longer available to talk to, you know, with Carl when they had fallen out, you know. Okay. Well, uh, once again, I don't know what that falling out was. I heard parts of it, some of it, but the, I don't know exactly what all went on, nor do I really, really care. Because, and why I say that, I go by my experience as well. So I, I'll say one thing that I go by. When I heard Carl speaking about the order, because I know how to order pizza, that's easy. That's nothing. Then I used to wear order, organizing your room or something. Then order when somebody's telling you what to do. Okay? I experience it. I've done all three of those. And it worked very well for me. And he was talking about his friend Jimmy Lynn when he did the order thing, how it worked. You know, I believe the story, but I didn't experience There's it. There's the discrepancy. I experienced it now. <laughs> what was that? There's a discrepancy. And it has to do What's with jurisdiction. If you go to a place that takes your orders mm-hmm. and you're in a jurisdiction for them to accept orders, and if someone gives you an order, it's most likely you're in a jurisdiction where you are. It's your duty to carry out an order. You've granted somebody jurisdiction to give you orders. Yeah, if I signed up for that, accepted on my job where I used to work, Kentucky Fried Chicken, let's name that one. I signed an application that I'm going to follow their rules, regulations. Uh, I'm going to take their orders. I'm going to come to work this time, take my breaks this time. Yeah, I signed up for all that. And I did take their orders, and I did it well, and they did compensate me. That's true. But I never looked. That was the point. When it called me in to speak about that, of course I knew about the part with the order food that, that didn't. But when he said the orders, and I didn't realize, wow, I'm actually doing this. <laughs> I took orders from my, the boss or manager at the job. I followed them. No problem, no issues, and they paid me. I got my check. No problem. So I never had once in my life look at it until I heard call that away. And <laughs> even though I saw it and understood what he said, but I never actually experienced it until I went to with two different women at their courts that I actually had to get up and speak about that. And it worked very well for me. I was a bit nervous, but I did it. Let's try it. If it's going to work, let's see. And did. So how could I say it's untrue? Most everything that I heard Carl say, I have not experienced every single thing, no. But most of it, I experienced some or saw other cases. But then, you know, talk to other people who had that case and work very closely with them and see that it was all true. I have not seen no untrue as of yet. Now, if I do, I'm willing to get up and say that. If my mother is telling the untruth, I'll get up and say that. doesn't matter to me because I'm here for the truth, and that's about it. So any more questions? More comments? That's what me. No, I'm, keep, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it moving. I got house projects oh. to get done, but I'm listening. Sounds good. I'll let the yeah. Colorado fellas 
speak on my behalf. Uh, what? Right. All right. <laughs> One face is on the call. You have a comment or question. We were talking about uh, some of your experience with the tags. I was talking to the Porch family about that. Um, I have not received the plates yet, but we'll see what happens. And I'll speak about it on that time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to speak a couple more things about this call thing. It's like why I believe so greatly. Because you know what's true in your heart. You know, you, you can't, I say no one, even though they might not admit it, no one could get above or around the truth. <clears throat> what is a fact, what is true. You know, even at the time you might not believe it, or could really see it, but that doesn't make it correct, not correct, or not true. Okay? It is what it is. And so, if you're seeking with a pro heart, you know, you have, you know, um, that's what I was doing. I was asking for the truth. Where is it? You know, I wanted to know. I told you some of my earlier experiences, and and I was working with the Moors, going to their classes, trying to ask questions. And I remember one day, <laughs> I had the next week or a couple of days, I was going to be going to court. And they would come on a Tuesday, every other Tuesday. And I kind of got upset. I was calling them, calling them. No one answered. Uh, and I remember I wanted to cry. I'm like, what I do? I was, like, so lost. And I began to pray so look. Just show me somebody even to break down in smaller words maybe that I can understand. And I heard Dean Clifford, the one introduced me to that. And I listened. And some of the words he said, like a use of fruit, uh, I remember that. He was breaking it down, explaining some other words. And then I, I kind of got it, and that's why I was able to speak at the court. And another one helped was, oh, this other woman judge. Well, I said three judges for another one. It was two men and one woman. And I remember, like I said, they all stood around this guy so he couldn't even see me. And I was about to speak. And the judge said, if you don't, you know, if you speak, you don't sit down, I'm going to hold you in contempt. That's what she threatened me with. I didn't know what else to do or say. So I sat down. But when I learned what to do, and what was told to me was they try to hold you in contempt, say, forgive me. I don't mean to be contemptuous. So I said, okay, I'm going to try that. So I went at the court. And it was the same woman judge. <laughs> and this time when I got to speak, I started out, forgive me. I don't mean to be contemptuous, but I, you need to hear this case now. And she said, well, I'm not going to hear it. But she got up and ran out the room. Three times. And I'll just tell you, I told you guys that experience. That was really crazy. But because uh, I, I was so upset what they had done, I learned that she was more to hold me in contempt. And I'm like, then I learned what to do. I said, okay. So I went at the court, and, you know, we all sitting waiting for the judge to arrive, from the judge arrived. So the bell said, all arrived, and everybody stand up. I didn't stand up. 
fell off the end of I ain't got time for this. They didn't listen to me. And he was very angry with me. He said, stand up now. He said it like three times. He said, because that's disrespectful to the judge, you know. And I said, I stand up because I want. That's what I said. I didn't say words because I didn't even know that word very well. I said, because I want things because I wanted to. So I stood up. Then when he said, everybody sit, I didn't sit down. I stand right back there like, yeah, down what? And then I said, well, I better sit down because they might throw me out of here. And I really want this case to be heard. So then I just sat down. It's like it was a waiting game. So that went on. So I told you when the judge came and I said, I don't mean to be contemptuous, but I wish you to hear this case. And that's when she ran out the room and took a recess. And the guy who was uh, so rude and lean yelled at me. And I said, can I talk to you? He said, well, you can talk to me in front of anybody. And I said, I wish her to hear this case. He said, well, obviously she's not going to hear it. You need to take that to the district court upstairs. I said, well, we'll see. She may hear it. Who knows? He said, well, I don't care if you sit there all day. And then I knew, wow, he can't throw me out of here. <laughs> and that's what I, you know, so I said, good. I said, okay. So when the judge came back in, before she sat down, I jumped up, ma'am, you need to be in this case. She said, well, I'm not going to hear it. And she did a couple more cases and left again. And the third time, I did the same. And when she left the third time, I just got up and left. Because I didn't know what else to do. So that was some of my earlier experience. So I kind of knew that you can challenge the judge, just another man and woman. But I didn't have the right, let's say, the correct wording or what those words really mean. I was going on this almost the correct path and trying to get there, but I didn't have it. And so I told you, Ms. Ferris, when I first heard call, I mean, it's like you can hear truth. I don't care who you are. You might want, not want to listen to it, and you try to make up all kinds of excuses, but you know when you hear the truth. So... And that's how I knew, but that it was true what he was saying. His testimony he was talking about at the time, talking about how he got his son back. I had not seen any paperwork, didn't know. I just was heard him a couple, like, I think this show was almost 45 minutes to an hour, maybe a little bit more. And like I said, halfway through, or I was listening, I just knew. I didn't even have to see no paperwork listening because I heard the truth. I know. But now that I also experienced of it, <laughs> so how could you tell me? You can say what you want, but I already know for myself it's true. That's something you have to learn. If you don't believe it, I don't care. If you do, I still don't care. Because it's all about you. And I, it's all about I. Because when it comes down to any situation, any case, at the end of the day, I have to save myself. And that's written in the Word of God. You go look it up. I think that's Acts, the second chapter. Go look it up and read it. But it's so true. Save yourself. There's a lot more to that scripture, but you have to read it for yourself. <clears throat> so, and that's what I heard. I mean, I can go many stories. <laughs> but, 
experience that I went through to even obtain this knowledge where I'm at today. So, any more questions or comments? Yeah, let's keep this show moving. We have Leo from Canada on the show, the Porch family, got 15, one face. They got three L's. No, actually, it's Illinois, of course, West Oklahoma and Central Colorado. <laughs> Amazing how Jeffrey, I guess, I'm not sure what you're trying to say, but police Doziak. <clears throat> okay, let's do this. Um, I usually read a lot of books, let's say. Um, I don't know if you guys, when I was a bit younger than I am now, <laughs> I used to uh, read like Nancy Drew, The Hardy Boys, mystery stories like that, many more. I'm just naming those. I would read those stories and try to figure out what happened, what would happen. But then I also read uh, comics and other books. But there was um, how the newspapers we used to get uh, at home, the Daily News, New York Post. Actually, my brother used to work for the New York Post. But um, you see the big print. They have a big heading. But then when you read the small sprint, the whole story, it had, it's just like, for example, I could say, <clears throat> um, so I have to be careful how I say this. I'm going to use somebody in my family. Let's say my brother Andrew. Um, let's say they say Andrew went to jail, right? Or we say one of the celebrities. Um, Brad Pitt went to jail. That's the thing. Big headline. So there you stand. What happens? You hear all these people. Oh, Jack. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt went to jail. Did you see that in the news? Did you see it? But you never read the whole story. Now you get the story. I read this. Oh, Brad Pitt went to jail. He was visiting the home. Um, some of the um, the oh, he was visiting uh. Some of the drunks was in there. People have alcohol problems or drug problems. He was visiting them. He went to jail to visit them. But right away, he went to jail. And so they threw that heading out there. And you didn't read the whole story. So I say that to say this. To me, Jeffrey, here's something else. Read this public record. Not to say he's not being true from what he read in the public record or saw it in the public record, but it doesn't make it true. It doesn't tell the whole story. It tells part of the story. And say, so, well, I read the transcript. It must be true. Okay. But that transcript, because I, I can say from what I heard them read about me, what was they saying, dot, 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 I said? Because I was still speaking. I know exactly what I said, okay? And they didn't put it all in, okay? And let's if I say, 
and they thought I said, I said B like boy, but they thought I said C like cat. And they're only going to ride whether they're lying or not, but they're here. That's that man or woman record. But they believe they heard or what the story really is. But that record that you saw, that transcript, doesn't make it necessarily the whole story in what is true. And why would I need someone else to write a record about me? Wouldn't I? I would know my record better than anyone. I know exactly what happened, what went on, what did not. I have the record. So why would I have anyone else to keep a record for me? I need to keep my own record. So I can bring data if I need to or wish to or need to prove something. I have it. And that happened with me. I had paid one bill, and for some reason I kept the check stuff, kept it all, I didn't throw it away. I had kept some. Sometimes I keep a bunch of paperwork that I didn't throw away yet. And how it came back up, I didn't pay this bill. So I just sent them a copy of the check that it was paid. I never heard from them again. So if I didn't have that record, how can I prove that I expected this? So I had it. So that's, that's important to have stuff, and that's another thing. A lot of, I'll say my mistakes, not having things in written form when I heard calls. See how crucial, how so important that is to have it in written form. Even if you have it recorded, that's good too, but I like someone in written form. Okay? So, that works a lot better for me. So, anyway, I've been rambling. Anyone have a question or comment? Okay, Rodney. Greg. This is why I do these calls. So, be ca- I'll just say, how should I say this? You know, as I told Jeffrey, as he's trying to, uh, well, whenever he's trying to portray or say, you know, why don't he prove it? And unless he experienced or was there, he have no proof. So I don't go by here a lot of this or that when I heard, you know, and he said, but you go by what you heard about call. Well, because as I told you, I felt in my heart it was true. I did a spearing summit. I checked it out. <laughs> and just like it's common sense, it's just it's true. I mean, I don't know how else to tell you. And a lot of what he speaks about being in honor, it's all in form already. It's in the Bible. And like I did, I asked this person one evening, and you can go back to the earlier show. I said, the law is written, yet it's not written. And I said, how could both be true? And one is written, it's written in your heart. So that I mean, I have to actually put it on a piece of paper. It's already in my heart. And in your heart, you know you shouldn't feel. You know you should be in honor, honest, do unto others you wish to be done. So 
this is all of the law that's coming to me is all about. Okay? And, you know, you have a right to face your accusers, you know. It's all these things are already written, so I knew about this. And so when I heard Carl speaking, it already was in my heart. But how to put it together in depends on your situation. That was instruction I learned through Carl, what his testimonies were, how he put it together. And that's why when I first heard him, I was laughing. I was so happy when he told me about his sister case, what she did, what she said. Like, I got it because basically only one at that court at that time could speak or about this situation was her or her. No one else in there could ever say anything. They'll be all hearsay. They don't have first-hand knowledge. And that was the point at the end of the day. So he didn't speak. There was no accuser. There you go. He lost. So. I see it so clearly today, you know, and much earlier, but I see it. So that's how I know. How you know, who knows? You have to get it for yourself. All right, uh, let's keep it moving, anybody. I'm going to take a little break. I'm still here. I'm not going to mute myself out. I'm just going to give someone else a chance to speak. Well, ask the question for that matter. Or you could type something in the chat. That'd be fine. Yeah. I'm on a call. Huh? Hello? Oh. Now it's uh, internet radio. Yeah. What was that? You talking to someone else? You said. I like to.
Hello? Keep it moving. I'm here, here, so anyone have a question or comment, you may do so. I'm just going to mute out for a minute or two. And if you have a question, feel free to ask or have some comments as well.
This part of the call is brought to you by duct tape. Shut your pie hole. Keep it quiet. That was a good one. <laughs> wow. I uh, finished my exercise, so I'm good. Anyway, you have a question or comment? I guess not. Didn't say all this time. So, Illinois, if you have a comment, Latin K or Greg, and the Ports family. Still on the call. You always could speak.
willingness to help with the uh, help in a major way, I might add, in our service to veterans. And here's some veterans right here. Now, these guys, they're probably all deceased. I know that Lance uh, Dangerfield, who's one of our Able Danger UK agents, uh, who gave me this Bible for the Veterans Ranch. And that's exactly where it'll end up. If we get a Veterans Ranch, this will be one of our prized possessions that will be first to go. Uh, I'm going to put the camera on a lampshade right here. This lampshade was made by a woman in Montana. There's 1,100 to 1,400 feathers from a pheasant. See that lampshade? That made by uh, uh, the lady that's going to be one of the four one of the four full-time people at the ranch. I'm one of these one, but he's just one of the lady who made that laugh. But we're going to have other people. I get, uh, I get comments from many people around the country and around the world that they wish there was something they could do to help support the ranch. So there is. Uh, the best, the most effective and easiest thing that any of you can do anywhere in the world is to just say a prayer that it could be God's will that this happens. I believe it is as well, and I do believe it will happen, and I believe that uh, Carl will be here soon. So let me go to the chat room and see if there's anything I need to address. But once again, Lance, thanks a lot for uh, 3,200 on the count. I think that's what you're talking about. Valley is a man he taught in the UK, okay? His uh, vice region over this way, okay? Jim and Angie have a lot of followers. That's good to hear, Eagle Page. Uh, Yes, GB, that's correct. Well, thank you, Denise. Uh, and, uh, oh, oh. I'm not talking to Rick. So I was lucky. Most folks are unfortunate that you had parents who were literate, that you had parents who could read or write. So, unfortunately, for you folks, you people are beyond confused. And I don't know if I can ever help you folks, but you folks are always looking for the written word. You're always looking for searching. So the written words they tell people when you look at the Bible, it's your interpretation of what you believe those words mean. Don't look for another man to tell you what those words mean. You've got a feeling that you walk Don't try to figure it out in your head because that's not where it's going. You've got to find the answer. You know, God gave everybody the ability to feel when they're doing something right or something wrong. Like my dog, <laughs> he knows when he's doing something right, he knows when he's doing something wrong. So God put that innate ability into every creature. They know the difference between right and wrong. So I don't want to hear that people said, uh, well, you know, the, the law, you know, said we can do it. If you know it's not the right thing to do, I couldn't care less what the written word says. You know, in your heart, it's not proper, it's not just. You would like something to do, you don't forget anybody else. You know the written word says we can do it. That's basically the whole theory about the Nuremberg trials. Just because some other man gave you an order and gave you the written word and told you to go ahead and kill a whole bunch of children and women and throw them in a ditch. Well, if I was a one of the examiners after World War II, I would have asked the Germans a simple question. I would have said to each soldier one at a time in isolation. If Hitler told you, he slice your woman and children's heads off and throw them in a dish, your mom, your daughters, would you do it? And he said, yes, absolutely. I let that man go free. But he said, he hesitated, he says, what, you mean my wife, my children, kill them? And I know he's guilty because he knows he wouldn't like it, but to his kind. And he's not just following a belief in a religion. He's, he's actually trying to uh, determine who gets to live and who gets to die. So he really believes, like God told 
their hand to kill his son. And he really believed it was his only son. He was willing to kill his only son. And he went up to go do it. That's what the man believed. So be it. But if he's, if he's out there killing other people's children, he said, now now kill your son. He's like, uh, wait, now he's all about my son. <laughs> oh, obviously, the man knows the difference between right and wrong. And this dog, if he just goes out and kills, that's what's nature. That's what's in his nature. You can't hold a Bible according to his by nature, but what nature, that's what he does. So uh, if you can't hold a man liable, that's what happens in a police state. What happens in a police state is both policy. It's not so much a police state, it's both policy state. But nobody's held liable. There's no accountability for their actions. So you can't actually get this man or woman to be accountable. So just because somebody does something to a police officer or a, or a mayor or a governor or a president or whoever, they're going to try to inform you. They'll look, I'm just following policy. And that's exactly what's going on in the police state. Every time we get a new administration, the executive branch, you get a governor, you get a president, and what he does is he creates policy, administrative policy. Every state has an administrative code book about administrative policy. So the new administration creates the policy that he believes or she believes that the people put them in power to do, that the 51% of the people want to control the 49%, and he comes to his policies to the state of 49 so that's what happens when the administration comes in. The new administration comes in. We've seen that with Barack Obama. We've seen that now with uh, Donald Trump. We see these folks coming in and creating policy to basically program the government and bring it into doubt, which is fine. That's why the 51 percent enjoys that and agrees to sit under those rules. One of the most amazing speeches I ever heard was Barack Obama said in October 17th of uh, 2013, when the federal government came back and opened up the business, he said the greatest gift our forefathers gave us was the ability to self-govern. That was a marvel. I can't believe some president actually admitted that. That was doesn't. But uh, the next thing he says, that being said, so whenever you folks hear the word that being said, that being said means here comes something completely different and opposite. So when he said that being said, he said, I was the duly elected president. It is my turn in office. We live in a democracy, and if you don't like what I'm doing, that's none of my concern. You do as I'm telling you to do. If you don't like what I'm telling you to do, come back four years and kick me out and put somebody else in power. But until then, I tell you what to do, and you you obey my orders. So it's amazing to hear him say, you know what, the, the people had the right to self-govern. And if you watch Donald Trump's speeches, I can almost guarantee his young speechwriters watch YouTube probably listening to like the 10, 20 words that I say are incredibly important not to say certain things in court, because not one time have I heard Donald Trump use the word U.S. citizen, because U.S. citizens was created in 1867, because none of the states would take care of all the black folks who were walking around on the land, and the black folks had no homes, no reselling property, they wouldn't give them a shot. These poor people had no ability to sustain their own existence. So the United States government realized that they wanted to step in, which was going to be like a huge genocide or, you know, in this country, it's going to be ugly really quick. So they created a U.S. citizen. There was no mention of a U.S. citizen prior to the Civil Rights Act of 1867 and then again in 1965. So whenever I filed any kind of a lawsuit, they would always try to convert my claim into that of a complaint. And the big difference between a claim and a complaint is, is very simple. When I tell people, if you go to a fancy restaurant and there's a hat-check girl, she gives you a claim ticket at the end of the day. You can walk into the hat-check girl and say, you got the claim ticket. You got claim ticket number 12. 
the hat check, girl. We'll say you've got the ticket. Yes, I do, ma'am. It is 12. She'll give you the hat. Boom. You say she lost the ticket. You can't find it. She'll say, okay, you know, where's your ticket? I don't have it. So she said, but that's my hat right over there. There's only two hats there. Can you please give me that hat? That's mine. The other one obviously is a woman's hat. It's like, well, no, I'm sorry. Until that other person lays claim to one of these two hats, you have to sit around and wait till 3 o'clock in the morning until this all restaurant empties out, and then whatever they have last time standing will believe that it's yours. But until then, you know, until you bring forth a claim, a proper claim, unfortunately, we can't serve you at this time. You know, thank you. Now, you can stand there from 9 o'clock at night to 3 in the morning, complain, complain, imagine, complain to everybody. But until you find that person who's got the claim ticket for that other hat, you're not even leaving that rack until 3 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, like I said, there's a huge difference between a claim and a complaint. A complaint is when you can't prove something. A claim is when you can prove something. And if you guys ever noticed, the United States government or any government never files a claim against the people. They always file criminal complaints against the people, against the persons. Because they have no capacity to know what is true and what's not true. They have no first-hand knowledge. They weren't there. They're not a victim. They have no major party. They can't prove anything. So they just file complaints. That's why, like I said, looking for your lost hat, you just sit around until 3 o'clock in the morning and wait for it. But when you have a claim, the claim should be acted upon immediately. There shouldn't be no hesitation. No uh, six months, one year delay. You just have a claim that this man took your load of tomatoes and your pickup truck. You got until 5 o'clock in the afternoon to keep the refrigerator the or rot. Those for you should be able to go down to the magistrate, get the sheriff's department to issue out a warrant for this man to appear, open up court immediately, and settle this matter whether or not those are his tomatoes or your tomatoes or they rot and spoil. You shouldn't have to go through some ridiculous legal process and say, Well, he has 21 days to answer. Well, in 21 days, it's going to be a pile of mush. And you know, the other thing he talks is, Well, he should have got identification, he should have bought insurance for those tomatoes. Well, that's ridiculous. But it, it, it would make sense to get identification, obviously, when you're doing things mm-hmm. like that way. You don't bear liability, and that's what a police state is. They don't want to bear liability for any interactions. They want to just make a claim. And then in every state government, that's something called risk. There's a risk management group in every state government. Every state government is all tied. I know you folks love the IMF and all that other good stuff. Everything's based upon credit scores. So the best way to explain that it's like saying you had a box of bull bearings, golden bull bearings, and you wanted to send them to Berlin, Germany. Okay, how much identification would DHL require to, to get you into a package to live in a proper manager? You could say a million dollars worth of gold bull bearings. They want what? Ten dollars, a hundred dollars if you want to insure it. Because they know that nobody's going to interfere with the, the transport between, you know, here in the United States and Berlin, Germany, Munich, Germany. Nothing's going to happen. Now, if you want to send it to Zimbabwe, they'll say, oh, you want us to identify a million dollars worth of gold bull bearings and you think you're going to get it to your factory once, like in one piece in Zimbabwe? Do you understand that airport? Do you understand that airport security? Do you understand what it's going to go through when it hits their customs? Do you realize you're lucky if you get one dollar worth of bull bearings to make it to that factory? Do you understand what it's going to cost to identify it for loss? That's risk management. So the more times people get a complaint filed against their state, those state employees, the more their credit rating will go down. They'll turn it to a from Banana Republic, that when you have constant complaints about the way people are being treated in Mississippi, say complaints to the way people are treated in uh, uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin, I'm sure there's a huge civil rights you know, complaint list, and I'm sure people are risk management like crazy, like say Mississippi compared to Minnesota. So obviously their, their credit rating you know, is going to go way down, and 
other companies around the world, or companies in the United States, are not going to want to open up factories if they see all these violations, if they all these claims filed against certain public officials, or you know, sheriffs, or you know, you know, county commissioners are doing, you know, what they're doing to the local people. They're not going to want to uh, open up shop there. It's just going to make it risky to do business, and that's why he says basically Donald Trump is saying he says we're going to basically make it that the states going to compete against each other again. And that is a good thing because, like I said, if you have a banana republic state, no one's going to want to move there. You know, they say this is ridiculous, it's corrupt, it's evil. They're taking children from families or they're taking people's homes, you know, and they just want to ramp it down there. So hopefully, uh, you know, people start understanding how to use risk management as a way to make a claim that somebody's doing something wrong. Well, I actually have on my, uh, there's a uh, chat that I upload and phone calls a lot. I called up the, the director of risk management in the state of Virginia. Really nice lady. And she said, and I played like I don't be one, which is always the best way. You let these people teach you. You don't teach them. You play it like you have no clue what's going on. And the lady said to me, like I told you many, many years, just like my mom explained it to me since she worked for the IRS almost 20 years. When you make a claim, it has to be written in handwriting. When the lady director of risk management in Virginia said, you have to make your claim against the government official, man acting as the sheriff, man acting as the police officer, man acting as a water prison, what if you have to write it by hand? And I was like, well, I don't like it. It's because you guys can't just take a machine language, write it out on that machine, and make a false claim against your neighbor that you don't like, and say, you can just say, well, this, 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 you really hate the sheriff, you hate the sheriff named uh, Bob Brady, and uh, he just molested my dog, and he took a dog on my front lawn, and you could really cause havoc chaos by just making claims to risk management because they pull these people off the, off the surface immediately until they investigate the claim. So obviously they want you to put it in written form by hand so you can hold your mind for if you find a false claim. This is a law. Yes, this forms online. You can fill it out if you've got terrible handwriting, but you've got to put it in writing. You make a claim, you make a lawsuit, when you make any kind of claim, it has to be written by the hand of man, just like the first claim law. Only comes by the word of your voice. You could, uh, I told you all the time, go to Google or go to edamonline.org or edamonline.com. I'm not sure what it is. It's not etymology, it's edamonline.com or edamonline.org. And you could actually see where these words came from. If you look at the word org, it's the unwritten word. It's the word spoken only by man. Now, more, L-A-W, is created by persons, or legal persons. It's created by the creations of man. And I wish we had some sort of a, like a whiteboard or white screen, because I always put up this image when I, uh, I did a show over in England, a new show called, that's uh, Carl Lentz and uh, Brian Jarish. It's the UK column. And I put this picture up on a board. And I always show a higher off the board of everything that I believe. You know, this in the universe, this is always a higher off order. When I do a lot of shows, especially over in England, I understand there's a lot of atheists over there. So I say to them, look, let's make this very simple. Let's all agree there's one something. Right? If you guys want to say it's one quirk or one atom or one neutron or one particle or one piece of dust or whatever you guys want, piece of string, whatever, whatever theory you guys believe, I don't care. Can we all agree it all starts with one? One person, one man, one creator, one everything. Because we're all on board, it all came from one, even you big bangers, it all came from one something, great, lovely, let's move on from there. 
Let's not argue what's at the top of the pyramid, okay? Let's just say whatever's at the top of the pyramid, man's in that reflection, man's in that image of your king, that one piece of dust, that one quirk, that one spark, that one neutron, that one atom, that one string, that one creator, okay? We're in that image. Wherever it came from, whatever it was from, somehow we're in the image of it. Our reflection of we are proof that one something existed at one point in time. So we put us at the top of the pyramid, okay? That's just the way it's happening. Thank you. 
he's a real good guy. He does these groups up there, too. That's one of his brothers. George, what's going on over there? you say, hey, this guy just gave me a medal. The church said, let me see that. $3,500. The judge says, I'll award you $500. And uh, the prosecutor lady said, what? You're crazy. I'm not giving this guy anything. And the judge just simply said, look, if you don't give this guy $500, it's because your son's going to work ahead. I would have given $3,500 a whole lot more. So go ahead and tell me again, you're not going to pay this man for appearing in court today. And she said, this is ridiculous. He said, just tell me you're not going to do it. And she said, fine, I'll do it. And I went the house. Brother just said he would have traded a date for the woman instead of the five hundred dollars, but the judge won five hundred dollars. This is what I'm trying to say. The thirteenth Amendment says there's no involuntary servitude of slavery upon this land that will kill after you've been convicted of a crime. So this is what the Bundy's trying to do. It's funny if you go back to July twenty ninth, you go watch CNN, Anderson Cooper, uh, Rachel Maddow, and uh, Bill O'Reilly. Near the end of this show, they're making fun of one piece of paper out of 43 pieces of paper you put in there in front of this piece of paper that I drew. And they were trying to uh, put their spin on it, but they're ridiculous. They always put $10 trillion in a hundred coins, whatever. If they get ridiculous, they should have said, we require $9,817.16 for every appearance. And if you make all the 10 appearances, we'll break down $5,000 appearance. No, not these guys. They always got to put ridiculous numbers in. And they just make a mockery. They, they, they don't understand how they, they make themselves look like fools when it was perfectly good law that I was trying to teach them. So you hear them on a, I found the only one I can find still is a local that's John Lefford that says the Bundy's made a claim for compensation for appearing in court or for accepting the title of defendant. They cleared it in the, in the notice they gave to the court. They said, unfortunately, at this time, I'm not very capable of acting as a defendant. It usually doesn't work. Uh, very well when I appear as a defendant, but I could do a pretty good job as a judge, and I'll appear as a judge for free, and I think I could appear as a bailiff, and I think I could do a, a proper service to the court as well. But if you wish a body to act as an inmate or a defendant, I'm going to require fair and just compensation. And it's absolutely not wrong that asking for fair and just compensation if I invite you to my house. Like, look, you're the pizza delivery guy? Yeah, I need to bring 10,000 pieces. Okay, we'll call and call me through that. I'm going to require fair and just compensation up front before I start making 10,000 pieces, because it takes me an awful long time to do this. It takes a lot of my life, and you know, I'll do it for you. I'll carry out your order. Just give me an order, and I'll carry out your order. So every man who's ordered is entitled to parent just compensation. And I should let Jimmy Lynn, I want to let Jimmy Lynn tell that one story. That's probably about the funniest story, when uh, he told uh, the police officer that he was jacked up on call, and uh, about carrying out the orders, how he was wanting to do things a little bit different than the way I do things. I want to do everything paper, pen, and ink. And some, uh, you know, patriot kind of people think there's another way of doing it. I think it should be done with paper, pen, and ink. And uh, Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, can we try a couple of things my way first? Can we try to work with these people first? You know, because I still believe they're brothers and sisters of, you know, my relatives as well as your relatives. Let's not bring any harm. Yes, our fellow man. Let's just see if we're not communicating them on a proper frequency or proper level. Maybe we're just not communicating them at a, at a level that they understand. Because I guess uh, if you uh, ever went to a police academy, I was fortunate to talk to a young state trooper on the side of the highway one day. And he said to me, he says, you're absolutely right. He says, well, the very first day in the academy, he says, we're, we're informed. Every cop is informed. Every state trooper is informed. 
that we are the servant of man. We are the servant of the people. We are below man. We do not have any standing. We cannot stop a man. We can't arrest a man. We can't shoot a man. We can't cause any harm to any man. Now, let's talk about a suspect. We could shoot a suspect with our car, we could taser him, we could put drugs on him, we could execute, we could do whatever we want to a suspect. What could we do to a drug dealer? Anything we wish. We could do anything we wish to do to do a drug dealer. We have, there's nothing that could stop us from shooting, killing, and beating up a drug dealer. Planting drugs on him is protected by state and federal laws. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, say, my dog. My dog, you could say, well, my dog is a, uh, you know, a judge. He's a hell of a judge of character, but I wouldn't want him to sit and make a ruling against my life or for my life. So I'm always calling out, stripping people of their titles, and I'm calling them out as my fellow man. So this is what the police officers do to you, because what they're doing is when you step outside of your private world and you enter into the public, you're a public actor. Now you're acting. Now you're staging, staging screens call. Now you're acting out there in the public. So when you go out there in the public, you're a pedestrian, or you're a driver, or you're a drug dealer. And a policeman is just a policeman. He's not a man. He's just a, a detective or he's an investigator. And they can lie. Those all actors lie. That's what they do on silver screen stage and Broadway shows. They lie. You know, they're pretending to be something that they're not. Everybody knows that no man can tell another man what he can and cannot do unless he's causing that kind of danger and harm to that man directly. So what's funny about uh, dealing with uh, the actors in this matter the same way with court. When you go to court, they want you to act as a defendant, and they're asking you to accept the title. I'm working with a lady down in uh, Corpus Christi. Thank God she's Mexican and Catholic. So we, when she went to court, we just kept saying, I don't see the benefit as acting as a defendant. What do I get in a phone conversation? And they were like, well, why? Nothing. But the state says that you're a defendant. She said, oh, no, no, no. Unfortunately, I'm Catholic, and God created I as a woman. So, unfortunately, I can't accept anything, any position or title other than woman because it's against my religion to be anything other than, like I would say, any other man. Other than I don't see the benefit. God gave you all I needed. He gave me the, he gave me, you know, the capacity to act as man, to be man, to, you know, walk upon this earth as man. And I don't see the benefit of being a judge, a plaintiff, a defendant, a mobbing. I don't understand what these words are. I don't honestly need to understand the liability that I'm going to have to bear by accepting the title of defendant. It just doesn't make any sense at this time why I want to accept the title of a defendant. So, uh, like I said, there's a couple of things like that that uh, I try to explain to people is titles, the acceptance of a title, and it sounds noble and regal and royal because almost everybody, their world, we've heard this pyramid that I have. Man, judge, defendant, plaintiff, and they would turn upside down. And they would say the common man is at the bottom. The common man is under the king, under the prince, under the duke, under the earl. They take the pyramid upside down. So when you go to court, they flip it upside down on you. They try to make you like the common man. You're the peon, you're the nobody. Well, I flipped it around the other way. So, whoa, 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 whoa. You're a judge, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, I thought you'd be a public man, right? Okay, great. So, I'm a man, you're a man. Uh, how much about a phobia, you know, compensation? If you carry, want to carry out an order. This would happen in Canada as well, but in British Columbia. In British Columbia, a man was pretty slick. He said to a judge, Oh, you ordered me to return in 30 days? He said, Yeah, can you put a phone in order and sign it? The judge said, Why should I? But I got to tell my wife my job where I'm going to be in 30 days, so that I think I'm just proofing off. He said, Oh, yeah, okay, fine. When the man came back in 30 days, 
Canada determined to build the file for dollars. The judge says, I'm not going to pay this. He says, you're not going to pay it? Fine, I'll see a small claims court. So the man went to make a suit against the judge, and then they had a big judiciary conference on Mother's Day's weekend in 2014, so I'm sure all the mothers hate me down there that day for the judiciary. And they said, the, the Crown said, they'll pay the $500 this time for this man, but don't any judge ever order, again, any man to do anything from the bench. Now, he can order defendants to do things from the bench because now you're a member of the family, a member of the club, you're part of their group. He can order a defendant to do it. You're not going to get compensation as a defendant. But this man never accepted the title. He never accepted the placement. He never accepted to be a defendant. He just appeared as man and would not, you know, appear as anything else other than that. And to appear literally means to assemble yourself in all the parts and bring it together as one. So you get etymologized the word appear. That's what it means a manifestation of that many pieces to become one. And that's what I try to tell people. Even if you're atheist, it all goes back to one. And that's how the courts understand all this stuff. It all goes back to one. But the only problem is, is for some reason, they're putting themselves higher and closer to God, to the one than man, for some reason. And they believe that they're closer to the one. And we are closer to the one. So, uh, yeah, but like I said, I want to let Junior Lynn talk for a second here, too, and just explain what happened. Because, like I said, I said to him, why don't we just try asking these people about orders? And... Uh, I think it kind of makes sense. And like you were saying, that was changed my uh, clothes to wear on the show. I had a man. He was, he was a really good man. His name was Shawn Michaels. And uh, there was a video for uh, he would not, uh, he went to family court and he was trying to get his child back. And uh, they would not release his child. So he said he was going to sit in that public courtroom and he was going to sit there and wait until they brought his child back to him until they released his child. I said, we're not going to do that. So to me, if this is a public courthouse and a public forum, and if you're not causing any harm, you just want to sit there, you create style, please, you sit there until you turn into a skeleton. If that's what you want to do, then it's a public courthouse, and you're a member of the public, if you wish to sit and access that courtroom, if that was the Queen's Court, if it was at the Queen's Courthouse, and the Queen of England popped in, and she wanted to sit in one spot until the day she died, who's anybody to drag her out of there? No, this is the Queen's Court. Well, this is the public court. So for some reason, for... Uh, uh, deputies dragged them out and they brought them into an elevator. They had to pick those camera in the elevator, so they beat the crap out of them. And they, uh, he uploaded it onto YouTube. And obviously, they pulled it off YouTube like a day or later. It was like on Cop Watch or Cop Block or something, whatever it was. So then he got in touch with with with, with uh, Donnie over here. And uh, he, uh, I said to him, look, if you don't want to play the defendant, if you don't want to play in that legal world, you're going to have to use certain terms of art, something called an idiot. So if you etymologize the word idiot, it says somebody who's not trained within a practice or a certain profession, such as legalese, being a doctor, being a dentist. So I said to him, look, instead of getting in trouble, why don't you just, you know, put a notice before the court that you're an idiot, that you're an outsider. A lot of times this, this will worse because the judge will say, so you still can tell myself, because I said I was an idiot, I'm an outsider, it's a great word. Somebody who's not trained in certain practice, customs of practice, uh, at least. I'm not a code decipherer. You're a code decipherer. You said that I was a Indiana code ABCD1234. That means that's total gibberish to a man. But as a code decipherer, you are probably a hell of a code decipherer. I just don't dabble in that in terms of art. And I don't believe this law that requires art to be confident and be least or Chinese or Japanese. So before he calls himself any trouble, the uh, son printed out the shirt, and it just says, 
I am an idiot. Like, you know, I am an idiot. Not a, you don't say I am an idiot because a idiot would be that means that not any word not. So you don't say I am a man. You just say I am man or I as man. And on the back of the shirt, it said, uh, and hand up. So he's basically saying he's not a member of the legal society. He's not a member of the Boy Scout Society. He's not a member of the societal order of the Ku Klux Klan. So he doesn't hold any allegiance to any obligation to act as an outstanding member. He doesn't have to accept the title of Queen Low Cup Scout, you know, Grand Wizard or Road Defendant. So he just wants to walk upon Earth as man. He doesn't want to act as anything else other than man. There's no law that requires you to act anything other than what you voluntarily consent to. So unfortunately for poor Shawn Michaels, when uh, uh, he killed himself the other day on his obituary, it just says Shawn Michaels, man, that was nice that his wife put it in the bracket and said, man, because she said that he was so depressed that um, he wasn't getting compensation for his best enough to risk management on the state that he thought that they were going to get away with doing what they did to him. And uh, he just got desperate, and uh, he just started killing himself. He thought it would be best for everybody. I don't know why, but he did. But he, to me, he was a great guy. And uh, he stood up, he fought, I guess, as long as he could. I'm kind of pissed that he killed himself, but some people do things for whatever reason. But like I said, you know, this isn't easy to do this stuff. You know, I'm sure it would be easier for him to get a lawyer and just go to jail for a couple of years. Just sitting in that courtroom and not getting up and leaving. He was told to leave. But uh, he was going to fight. Just say this is the public courthouse, it's a public forum. And I want to sit here as long as I wish until you return my possessions, my belongings, my property, my son. Nobody else has any jurisdiction control. I'm the head of the house. It's just the same thing I say about my dog. Now, my dog does something wrong. My child does something wrong. Don't take it out of my dog. Don't arrest my dog. Don't, okay, arrest my kid, arrest my dog for a minute until I come and claim them. Once I claim them, you turn my dog, my child over to buy, and I will take care of them because I'm the head of the household. I'll bear all of my money for their damages. That's what he was basically trying to say to the court when the court was trying to hold his son, you know, reform school, whatever they call these things, detention centers for kids, whatever. And he was trying to fail liability, and they want to let him convert the liability over. They were trying to say that his son was his own person. That was liable for his own actions, which to me is ridiculous. If anybody remembers the old I Love Lucy shows, at the end of almost every show, Ricky was thanking Lucy because she was explaining to Lucy, if you understand, he had nonsense. I bear all the liability. I have to pay for all the damages. I have to pay for that chalk machine. I have to pay for all those grades. I have to pay for all that stuff. You realize it's going to come out of my pocket because you have to come up with some crazy idea. I'm the head of the household. I'm the one who goes to jail. So almost, you just Google or they almost move for I Love You Lucy episodes, but you can see it almost every episode. Ricky takes her over to Denise and Spicer because he's the liability. He's the head of the household. Everybody understood that 40, 50 years ago, the man bears total liability for the acts of the woman, of the children, of the dog. You know, if you weren't going to kill his dog, he'd kill his dog. You could only pay him liability. They didn't have the capacity to do this to his wife, his child, his, you know, animals. He had to pay for the damages. And Jimmy Lynn was looking at my dictionary, and we were looking at the letter D for some reason, and he said, damages. And I said, and he said wow, Paul, look at what it says here on the definition of damages. He says, you don't have to prove damages. And you don't have to explain the damages. They just have to be paid. Jimmy Lynn said, what in the world was that all about? Because in our society, we have to prove damages and we have to explain the damages. But in all 
moment in time, one man could just walk up to another man and says, you owe me $500. And he could say, what do I owe you for? For the damages that was created by either you or something under your control. It's like, well, can you tell me what happened? No, I don't feel comfortable at this time explaining what happened. That just requires $500 compensation. Well, can you prove this damages? No, I'm not going to prove it. You're just going to take me out my word. And Jimmy Lynn would have to pay the five. The man back then would just pay the $500 because you're taking the man at his word. But the legal society, this type of world we live under now, if someone just walked out to some stranger and said, something that you own, your car, your dog, your child caused damage, and I want compensation, I require compensation, you'd say, what did they do? Well, I'm going to explain to you what the car did to your child, your dog did, it's too embarrassing. Just paying $500 for damages. You'd say, you're crazy, prove it. And you say, look, I'm a man, I'm telling you, your dog or your child or your car or one of your animals on your farm caused me damage, and I don't feel comfortable explaining what happened. I'm really upset about it, and just believe me, this is what I require in conversation. Back then, you just did it. But now, I was showing my law dictionary like that to Jimmy. And he's like, wow, that's the way people used to live. I was like, hey, that's something. Can you imagine them coming into our time and realizing we don't do things like that anymore? It's like we watch movies with Amish people. They knock the guy's hat off, they kick him in the butt, they throw him on the ground, the guy gets up. And they said, oh, watch this, watch this. All we have to do is say, Please forgive me, my brother. I trespass and watch this dummy's got to forgive us. Watch this. Watch this. We're going to take his hand over the hole and watch this. We came across the street. Now watch this. Please forgive me the trespass, my brother. He's going to get up and say, yes, it's all is forgiven. Because we don't live in a Christian land anymore. We live in a Judeo land. This is a judiciary that we do live in a Judeo Christian land. We have the capacity to seek remedy through the Christian ways, but they're being stomped out of our culture. So, fortunately, or unfortunately, for ungodly people, there's Judeo, there's the eyes of the eye of the truth for the two, to control the masses, and that's what people are doing. The bigger your government is, there's people out of, people are out of control. So that, that's how you need a huge government like the town we're in here right now. This is sending the police to hold this town. So that's great. So obviously, if there was a crime wave here, there was 3,612 gunshots last year. You know, the U.S. Marshals would be up here, so I would be a police in this town. But obviously, the people don't need a policing uh, presence because the people are out of act in a decent manner to each other. So, yeah, like I said, I want to let, let Jimmy Lennon explain what happened uh, when he got stopped in the van a couple of years ago. Uh, before that's our case, the first one I've come up with because he, I told him two different things to do. The first time, I told him to take the orders from the police officer, and the second time, I explained to him. Just keep asking the police officer to feed your fellow man. And he asked him like three times, but he finally left. But just let Jimmy take a stab at this because I want you guys to meet Jimmy. He's a good guy.
So I, I think Charles is one uh, Carl's a wonderful uh, preacher. Uh, your wife was a lawyer. You were paralegal. My wife was a lawyer, yes, and uh, I was her paralegal for eight years. So, so I have seen a lot of uh, what goes on in court from the standpoint of an attorney. But uh, as far as what he's talking about when I was driving back, I got stopped speeding. Uh, well up over 70 miles an hour. That was the speed limit. And when he came up to the window, uh, he said, license and registration. I said, uh, I asked him, I said, uh, hi, um, I'm a man. Uh, are, um, are you my fellow man? He said, uh, license and registration, please. I said, oh, okay, sure. But um, am I speaking to a fellow man? And he was really hesitant about saying yes, but he finally said yes. Uh, and he said, license and registration, please. And I said, okay, is that an order? And he says, what? I said, that's good. I'd love to give it to you. Just give me an order and I won't give you anything you'd like. Uh, and he said, okay, uh, it's an order. Give me your license. So I gave him a license and registration, uh, and he took it back and went in his car, came back up, and he said, uh, can you step up um, behind the car, please, for me? I said, well, uh, is that an order? And he said, yes, that's an order. And I said, okay, be glad. So I stepped out back, around the back, and he asked me, why are you asking me if that's an order? And I told him, I said, well, it's like you got to work. The first thing I said was, well, I'm jacked up on Carl. <laughs> and he didn't know what that was. Then when he asked me what uh, I was doing, uh, what uh, I was doing, asking him uh, if it's an order, I said, well, your commander gives you an order to go uh, get in your car and go out and protect people and to patrol the highways. And you do that, right? He says, yes. I said, well, but at the end of the week, you get a check, right? He says, yes. I said, well, you're, I expect you to give me an order. I'll fill it out, and I expect tomorrow I'll go down and give your commander a bill for carrying out your orders. I expect to get paid just like you. And he kind of got very nervous then, and he said, wait right here, and he went back to the car. Uh, I think that's uh, well, he, and he came back from the car, and he gave me my paperwork back uh, and said, just get the hell out of here. He makes me nervous. And so I got back in the car. And I told you why he had that order. Yeah, I should have asked him to use that order too. But so he gave me back my paperwork. Uh, that's what Carl wanted me to tell you. And it was just really funny because I was jacked up on Carl and I was very, uh, feeling very self confident. And that's just an amazing, uh, amazing feeling. It really is. I was agreeing with the officer on everything, I wasn't disagreeing with anything. And he knew that.
throne and not get compensated for it. Jimmy, tell us about the the public can't create laws for the private, just like the private can't collect create make laws for the public. Can I talk to you about that a little bit? No, I'm sorry. All right, I'm going to turn it back over to Carl. One thing I've learned is Carl can't help everybody. And that's why these videos are being made. This is something we have to learn on our own. And it's mostly we have to learn to shut up and get a lower, uh, less vocabulary uh, usage. Yeah, like I said, it's funny. A man called me up on my show one time from England. I just using my stuff. There's a good guy over there called Maurice. I think he bought the Ed, Ed B. Dad's club with Ed B. Dad Association, something like PBA. That's pretty funny. He's a good guy. And um, um, the big thing with you guys, too, is that uh, what Jimmy Lynn was saying. I don't want to be public and private. There's another thing I wanted to tell you guys, too. But let's do the public and private real quick. It's just, can you imagine, like I said, there's a couple of patriot movements down here, and they, they always get busted. You always hear the U.S. Marshals coming into their little cabins in the woods or mobile homes. They got their own little sovereignties, of course, going on. And to me, that's just as ridiculous as what the public tries to do. What they're trying to do is they're having a private group, and they're trying to create public laws, trying to tell public officials what they can and cannot do. What I try to tell people is like, okay, look, you get... You have a public life. You have a, you have a you have a public life, a private life, and a secret life. And uh, you got three lives. When you walk out to the public, you're bound by certain social contracts. You know, you do study Rousseau, and he'll explain social contracts. Or you do John Locke, and you do private property and possessions. So there's a private world and you got a public world. So the big thing when you go out to the public, you do have to abide by the the code of conduct within the what the democracy, the mob tells you to do. You got 51% of the people down, 49% how to live, and you better fall into step while you're in the public. But like I said, for them to try to tell you what you can't connect to in your own house, like I said, a lot of people who get touched me are obviously people who are doing things that, they, you know, they would say you shouldn't do in your house, you know, that you shouldn't be doing certain things on a computer, or you shouldn't be making certain drugs, or pharmaceuticals, whatever, the schedule, whatever drugs, mm-hmm. in their own home. And then for some reason, there's a public law, mm-hmm. as these public officials believe that they have the capacity to come across that threshold and tell you what you can and cannot do in a private, which is obscene. That's the most ridiculous nonsense I've ever heard in my life was the Fourth Amendment says whether every person has the right to be secure in their houses, persons, property, papers, and effects. Mm-hmm. So uh, what makes you think you could write a public law mm-hmm. in which you can encroach into my into my house or into my personal effects mm-hmm. or my warnings? What do you got your mind? And I always love doing this question because nobody ever gets this answer right. I've never had anybody that ever asked this question. I had a group guy named Gus who came up with me for seven weeks, and he's a constitutional extraordinaire guy. Everybody who, uh, who thinks they know the Constitution, they said, in the Fourth Amendment, does the, what does the Fourth Amendment read? That, is, that the people have the right to be secure in their houses, papers, persons, property, and effects. And they go, yeah. I said, it's person plural. And everybody's like, what? Is your person plural? And they go, no. It's every person has those. Every person's. You have persons. Persons is plural. It's not singular. It's persons. And I love doing this to people. This is almost like a silly question. How many rights do you have? It's 
say, well, I got the right to bear uh, firearms. I got the right to free speech. I got the right to do, 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 do that. That's a joke. It was a rhetorical question. I didn't expect you to talk to me from here to the end of eternity because your rights are innumerable. You got the right to breathe. You got the right to inhale. You got the right to exhale. You got the right to lift you off. Now put it down. You got the right to do this. You got the right to. Don't tell all he writes off. We ain't got enough time in the day to tell the world he writes off. So, how many persons do you have? Well, you got a legal person. You've got a. Okay. People usually say, hmm, I got a legal person. Okay. Are you a happy person? Are you a sad person? Are you a glad person? Are you a confused person? Are you a you know, dissatisfied person? Your persons are normal. Whatever you kind of person you wish to be, you can be whatever you wish to be. But like again, like I said, it's like me sitting right here with my buddies, and we're going to create laws to impact what's going on in the public. That's about the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now we can create laws on how we're going to act inside these four walls. But once we go out to the public and we say to the people in the public, "Oh, you have to give us a certain amount of money to support my house or support this building," it's like, wait a second. This isn't my house. You know, why should I? Well, we created a law. <laughs> so you're going to take from my property to tend to your property. Uh, that, that's special. And how do you think you're going to do that? Well, we got guns. Well, that, that's just robbery. That's just that. So like I said, that's what's happening, though. These public officials are basically trying to tell people that we have the right to sit. That's a bunch of just nobodies, a bunch of people who just bunch of word girls and how to manipulate the language and sound real eloquent. To convince you people to turn over your private property over to us, that the, the, the public, you know, the public servants, that we know what to do best with your property than you do. And that's why I tell people, most people don't understand that either, don't realize that the number one health provider on planet Earth, almost anybody who doesn't show, will get it wrong because, you know, you guys read too much. There's a Catholic church. So, like I said, it's kind of hard to understand why the Catholic Church is the number one talk about in the world because what happens is people who are extremely religious, like, say, my, my aunt, my, my uncle married a Sicilian lady. When he died, she turned all about tens of millions of dollars of property over to the Catholic Church. She has no children. He has no children. So uh, the Catholic Church gets these huge uh, endowments or huge donations from rich people who believe that the church is doing wonderful things. So I'm saying the priests, I'm saying the nuns, the nuns are the ones out there doing all embarrassing. I'm not even going down a priest trial, I ain't wasting my time. But these nuns, they're, they're wonderful ladies, and they, they dedicate themselves to doing nothing but research and doing nursing. So they're wonderful people. So when most people have problems, especially when with children, I say, go to a nun, go find a nun in the church, and open their door to you. And I've never had a person call me up and say, call you a mom. My sister went out there uh, San Francisco, and obviously, it's getting a apartment out there, you know, for two grand to six grand a month. And I said, play the Catholic card. And she went somewhere in her lifetime. She went the Buddhist crowd or whatever we can do, or Indian crowd, whatever they do. And I said, look, you still got the Catholic card. We check. Go find a nun and ask for a place to live. And they, the nuns gave her an apartment. The Catholic Church has a massive amount of real estate over the world, too. People die and leave their houses to the church. And then when she moved to uh, Virginia Beach, she did this. And she said, call. <laughs> when I got to Virginia Beach, she didn't have a place to stay. She said, I went right to a church. And they asked the nun, do you have a place for me to stay? And she guaranteed had a place to stay. So like I say to people, you don't have to go to a centralized government for your resources, for your health. You, you should 
obviously go to your family first, and then go to your friends, and then obviously go to your church, your parish, or, you know, you've got to set up some sort of organization there for backup. Say, oh, we got nobody to watch the kids. On my farm where I live, we gave land to the Jehovah's Witnesses. So there's, I don't know, 80, 100 little old ladies that go there. If I need to dump my kids off there, say, some little old ladies can watch my kids. They'd be like, oh, that's great. You know, she wouldn't be asking for $20 an hour. She'd be like, thinking that she's helping God, God's work, helping children. So God bless and teach the kids Jehovah's Witness practices, beliefs, and customs. That's fine. But this is what I'm trying to say. When public servants try to control, you know, private property, that's where I have a problem. That's where I have an issue with that. Now, I believe you should have to pay property taxes. Yes, everybody should have to put something back into the community. But somebody's got to plow that snow off that road. Somebody's got to take those trees off the road. Off that. The whole thing, somebody's got to help out. In Virginia, Ireland, it's really nice because if you don't donate, because they don't force you to pay, uh, if you don't donate, They'll come around and say, you know, it's voluntary that you give like say to the fire department. I've seen it in Virginia many times in the newspaper where a little old man will uh, want to participate, donate, and a fire department will be pulled out, and they'll turn the fire trucks and point them away from this house and soak everybody else's house down and let his house burn down on the ground. And a little old man will say, look, I got a million dollars now, I'll give it to you. And the fireman says, I don't want your money. That's way too late for the money. You should have gave us money when we asked. Now, yeah, I was going to burn down the ground. It's like, well, that's everything I got. Well, you should have gave us a little bit, and you would have protected yourself in the long run. But if you don't want to be part of this community, you know, it would be great to do your wish, you know, and that's too bad. You know, it's just as an example for everybody else around in that community that this is how it's going to go now. If you uh, want to be an active member of this community, you want to pay you $10 a year, pay it. <laughs> you know, if you don't, I'll fine. We'll grant you your wish. You won't be part of this community when you need services. We won't be there. Go hire your own, pay for your own services. So, like I said, but like I said, there's, there's, a, there's always a balance there between where, where they just get ridiculous, where they try to well impose upon their beliefs into the for the public, like say educating your children or disciplining your children, or even domestic violence. And a lot of people call me up with domestic violence issues, and I always write to them, thank you very much for sending your police services out there. How much do I owe to the police officers for coming out that night? You know, and I'm sorry I couldn't control my own situation, my own home. Thank you for assisting. Now, how could I compensate you for what your time spent? Instead of taking care of real important police business, like rapists and robbers and murderers out there running the streets. And the, the county prosecutor, the county administrators just always write back, that's why you pay property taxes, don't worry about how much you owe us. And then the next thing I always ask them is, okay, where does the state have standing then in this matter? Can you possibly write a public law and what I do but do not do with any member of my household within my four walls? Because everybody knew in England for hundreds of years, not thousands of years, was a, that's why it was folk laws passed out for the work not the mouth. That the old adage was the rain might come through the roof, the wind might come through the walls, but the king and his horsemen better not cross that threshold. Everybody knew the king better not come through here. We go, we're going to have a problem. We're going to kill another king. People have the right to expect certain privacy, and uh, it's private. And if you want to expose my privates in the public, well, then you're the one who's causing the harm. You're the one that's creating that, 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 that controversy. Because I wish to be let alone in the private. And it's just as simple as that. A lot of people who get caught with drugs out there in the public 
I said, what happened? Well, the policeman put his hands down on my pants and exposed my privates out to the public. Well, that you can't expose, you can't in, go in your clothes. He breached the enclosure. He went in clothes and he exposed your privates to the public. He can't, well, obviously they do that, but all you have to explain to them is that's the ancient law that says you're not supposed to expose, you know, the public to what's private. That's what you're saying. You can't do that. People don't want to see it and they won't hear it. But for some reason, we have a societal belief that uh, we're curious and you know, we uh, like the drama. Like they say, 100% of the People magazines are bought by women. So now that women have such an impact into the culture and the society, people actually start to give a damn what people are doing inside of their four walls, which is not my damn business, and I don't care. I don't care what they're doing. They have to answer to their God or their creator when, they, when that time comes. <laughs> I'm not their creator. I'm not their liability. I'm not getting involved. It's, it's between them and their, their, their creator. But I'm trying to think if anybody's got any questions. I guess I didn't do any questions. Do you have any kind of question kind of thing here? Do you just talk? Yeah, I'm trying to help it. I'm watching the chat room, and if I see any questions, oh, okay. I do know that a woman in England asked me to ask you, Carl, and when you have an opinion on if a spouse is property, like if I'm married, yeah, let me, let me tell you what property is, okay? This is very, very simple. It's one of the very first words I explain mm-hmm. on that show with Brian Garrish on the Uncompa. Uh You can't call the show. Property. Property is that which is exclusive to a man or a woman within a society, exclusive with all, from all others, depending on your, if you lave it over it, if you, if you created it, it's yours and yours alone. And that was one of the first things that totally freaked out uh, social services when my child was born with Down, so they wanted me to sign paperwork so that the government could have a voice in his care and custody. And I explained to them, I said, are you talking about my little bundle of joining on the side of the window? Are you talking about my property? They said, oh, my God, you call them property. I said, uh, yeah, watch this, ma'am. Uh, you don't really love this. There's a young black girl and young white girl social. You don't love this. And I said to the mom at the end of the table, hey, woman. She goes, yes, ma'am. Are you my property? She said, you're damn right I am. I said, and the home's like, ah, you got to believe it. <laughs> that she's your property. I said, hey, watch this lady. You're love this. Hey, woman, woman, am I your property? She said, you're damn right. You're my property. I said, look, I said, we're exclusive to each other within a society. We have due to an agreement, a verbal agreement. It could be a contract, it could be a written agreement, it could be a marriage license. But we have an agreement amongst ourselves. And you can, and our actions speak louder than our words. And I'm exclusive to her. She's exclusive to I. We are we are one within the we are one as a as a unit that nobody else may use and enjoy us without the other's consent. Just like that little bundle of joy, he's my property. And watch this, I'm his property. Only he gets to use and enjoy me as a dad or father. I'm not liable to act as a dad or father to any other child on planet Earth, any little baby on planet Earth. He owns my ass. I own his ass. I have to take care and maintain him. Then you tell him he's got downs until he's 80, 90 years old until he dies. He's my liability. He's my responsibility. Nobody else's responsibility. Nobody else's blind. She doesn't. Nobody else may possess him without my consent. Nobody can use or enjoy him without my blessings. It's that simple. I said yes. We're all property to each other. That's that's a word that people always get very upset with. This word. Property, because property means belongings. Does he belong? 
to his mom and his dad, yes, okay, let's put it this way. My little bundle of joy throws our last three window. He's the first thing you know, scream out, hey, who does this kid belong to? Who's going to grab my ability? There's a bundle of joy throwing our last to my car. Who's the belongings? Who's the property? Who's the profit to? Who is liable to this little bundle of joy that just put out the planet Earth? This little Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein, he had unfair liability. Well, he just threw my kid in the pond. What are you going to do about it? Well, I guess I'm going to have liability to die too. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to kill you for your little bundle of joy's creation when you did police them. And most people don't understand that, that Frankenstein was a book written by Mary Shelley, and her dad was the Chief Justice of England at the time, and her aunt was the first one to go to law school over there in England. And all uh, her dad was trying to explain to her was that man believes he could act like God, and believes that man could make creations, and man can put things into this world for the benefit of man. But sometimes man is fallible. Just like, well, why did God make cancer? Well, sometimes God puts things into the world and we don't know why. Well, a man created something called Frankenstein. He put this creature out to the world and he thought it was going to be the benefit of mankind. He was not with no deliberate, wanton intent, creating Frankenstein to cause harm to that little girl they threw in a pond. That wasn't his intent. His intent was seeing if he could bring back people and give them a longer life, like eternal life, like never die. Can we stay alive forever? He thought he was doing a great thing. But in, in, no matter what you create, these corporations you create, you, you assemble these, you incorporate many pieces together, you create this corpse, this corporation, and you set it out into the public. Sometimes it causes damage, it causes harm, injury, and loss. And then you're going to be held liable for the little bundle of joy, the little creation that loosens to this world. So that's like I said, most people think Frankenstein has something to do with a monster that is just so scary movie. It wasn't. It was his way of trying to explain to his daughter how corporations work and how you pay a liability because if anybody looks at the English flag, you see the, the English flag, you see the, you see the world flag thing that it's the merger of Scotland and England. And when the merger of Scotland and England became, it became, created the East India Tea Company. And the East India Tea Company, the reason why they ruled the seas was because the Scots had the money and the English had the muscle and they had the navy. And what happened was the English couldn't, the reason why the English controlled the world was indemnification, was through insurance policies. Because if you can make a hat in England, just like you do in Spain or France, you make, you make a hat. You make a hat in England, you can sell it for a dollar. You send that same hat over to the colonies, you can make $10. But the only problem with sending it over to the colonies is that you have to deal with pirates, you have to deal with the Spanish, you have to deal with the French. You had to deal with the Indians. You had to deal with all kinds of nonsense for that hat. So nobody was wanting to go to the United States because they couldn't get goods and services that they could in England. So the Scots came up with this brilliant idea of identification of syndicates. If you ever study syndicates and insurance and identification, you'll understand what I'm talking about risk management. And you'll understand how the IMF works and credit ratings and credit scores and AAA ratings of nation states. And you'll understand all that lovely stuff, but just go back to the Scots. Thank God. My grandfather was Scottish. Just go back to the Scots and you'll understand how identification all works and why the English rules proceeds and the Spanish didn't pick up on it, the Portuguese didn't pick up on this style, and the French didn't pick up on the style. Thank God the East India Tea Company understood this concept. It's the same thing I say to people. Uh, Gandhi was a freaking lawyer. And I, to me, I can't believe how ridiculous this guy was because he did a passive resistance. And uh, to me, that's ridiculous. I do passive compliance. 
this passive resistance is going to get a stick back upside your head, and you're going to get your skull cracked. And being a great resistance means something, you know, you could say it's passive, but you're still going to get your head kicked. So I always tell people, it's like, well, they had this famous march to the sea where they were going to be sold in defiance of the King's order and to the Grand Viceroy's order to the East Indian Tea Company out there saying that the, the Indians are going to go to the sea anymore and process their own soul. So Gandhi is like, oh, good, you're giving us an order? It's like, yeah, let me see that order. He's like, yeah, here's my order right here. And here's a big seal from the king, and here's my seal on the grand vice where I say, this order says you better not go to the sea and make your soul go over and start knocking head. Are you ready? You're ready to go see company. But we're going to start knocking heads. So Gandhi's like, well, we're going we're gonna to march to the sea, and we're going to show the whole world that a billion Indians ain't going to be controlled by a hundred Englishmen. So, a hundred Englishmen aren't going to control a billion Indians. We're free, independent people. Well, obviously, Gandhi was an attorney. Gandhi should have understood. He was a member. He knew, he knew the rule of law. You presume he knew the rule of law. He knew what a freaking order was. And especially order when it comes from the royal family, from an order that comes from somebody so high up. And England. It's incredible if you watch any of those old movies in the past. I think it was uh, like Mary Poppins, the dad was a banker and he was bought by a penny or two and it was great dishonor. He was going to commit suicide if he couldn't buy that freaking penny. Whatever it was, the English, it's all about face. It's all about image. It's all about acting proper. It's all about what, what you present out there. And it's based on it, public. It's, it's all image. So when Gandhi did his march to the sea, and he came back, he was all back in the bruise. If I was, got some, if say I had 10 buddies and the Grand Viceroy told me, he said, hey, can I have a copy? Or, can I have 10 copies of that order? Yeah, lovely. You know, where do we got a wire saw? From Calcutta, Bombay? Yeah. Yeah, far away that is from here? Yeah. Okay, and this is the order? Yeah. Okay, I think you can see where this is coming. This fuck me and my buddies are going to go. Take a trip to Pompeii. Well, take a trip to Calcutta. Say, come on, guys, where are we going? Calcutta. Do you have any idea how long that is? I sure do. <laughs> you know how much that's going to cost us? I sure do. But we got to order here from the king that he wants us to go by his soul. He's telling us to go by soul. What? He's telling us to go by soul. Oh, really? Okay, so let's go by soul. So when we come back, we're going to hand the grand finance for a bill for like $2,612.17. We're going to hand our bill of particulars. It's how much time we've worked with most, time for my family, travel expenses, food, accommodations, lodgings. We're going to the bill. And the grand finance is going to say to my thin buddy, so what the hell's going on? You gave us an order. It's your order. You have to stand by the king, too. Yeah. You're going to tell us you're a deadbeat and you're not going to give us compensation for your order. What? You're going to pay us. Or we're going to let the whole world know. That when a king orders something, don't carry his order because he's not going to compensate. He's not going to pay. He's not going to, he's not going to, you know, get fair and just compensation. Oh, you think I'm your slave? Is that what I am? Am I a slave to the king? Well, no. Am I a man? Yes. The king a man? Well, yes. Well, there you go. Can any man tell another man what he can and cannot do? No. Well, you just ordered me to make 10,000 pizzas. You ordered me not to go to the sea. You ordered me to go to Bombay instead. Well, I want the Bombay. I carry that you order. Where's my compensation? So I always tell People went, God, he starts slapping back from the coastline. He's all banged up and kicked in. I went pulling up with him next to my Mercedes Benz and say, How do you want to ride? Come on. I just carried out the king's order. Look what I got. You didn't carry the king's order. What the hell you got? You got the head game. How about you try doing things my way? No, I got it because I feel like when I gave this code to the king and I gave this the bill to the Grand Viceroy of England, he said, You know what? We are never going to give an Indian 
another dam built, another dam order to carry out there. Just like what happened in British Columbia in that meeting on Mother's Day weekend in 2014, the Crown said, we better not hear another judge give another order from the bench ever again. If we ever hear any judge giving an order from the bench ever again, it's coming out of your pockets directly. You understand? So now, like I said, if you live in British Columbia and you say to a judge without an order, he'd be like, what? You know, I didn't accept any title. I'm not a member of your uh, club here. I'm not a proper Englishman. I'm not a member of the Crown. You know, you know I'm an Indian. You know, I'm just a white man. You know, I'm just a man, right? I'm not, I'm not a member of your group. I'm not a defendant. You do know that, right? Do you want to place an order with your fellow man? Do it. And I'm more than glad to carry the order. That's what I was trying to do with these Indians in North Dakota. I was trying to explain to them, look, did you get an order from the United States government to get the hell up and get the hell out? Yeah, well, do it. Fuck, do it. Carry out the bloody freaking. Let's get 10. How many of you guys out there? 10,000. Get 10,000 of these damn orders and carry out the damn order. Go home. Go home. Say, look, we got up and left within 72 hours. We were paying them within 72 hours and we're going to return. And then you carry out the freaking order. And you'd say, look, I want six hundred, eight, twelve thousand dollars cents for going home. I want $2,312 going home. That's going to be the last time the APA government's going to tell 10000 carry out an order because two people make a claim and four claims go all of a sudden you're going to get 10000 small claims. The whole world, CNN's going to be watching what the crazy Indians are doing. That 10000 is saying, look, they ordered us to leave. We're not subjects to the United States government. We're, we're our own people. We're our own nation. We're our own, we're our own mankind. We're not one of them. And we carried out their orders. So the rest of the world, look, Saudi Arabia, when the United States places an order for 10,000 gallons of oil, then I'm going to pay. And say, do I watch this? You know, this is in Zambia. When they ask for all this container and uranium deal, then I'm going to pay. The United States government's no good. They've created an order for this plutonium uranium, then I'm going to pay. They're going to say, you know what? How so? You know, go, 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 that if you're a defendant, you remember that club, you remember the Boy Scouts, and they order you to do something, you better do it because you're a member. They say, oh, you carry out the order, you're going to sit in this uh, Boy Scout uh, Jamboree TV for 10 years in isolation. Hey, you remember that group? Do it. But there's no reason why that you can't withdraw. I said, look, I was a Boy Scout at one time ago, it was a great benefit. Now I wish to withdraw. You're basically saying, I don't wish to. If you see in the Constitution the word intercourse is written three times, and that means to trade, that means to barter, that means to carry on some sort of business exchange. I know looking to the last means to barter or to haggle or to harry somebody, to, 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 to be quarrelsome. So they understand these words very clearly. And it might sound silly to you folks, but if I say something this simple to the judge, I said, I no longer wish to act as a defendant. I wish to appear only as man. I no longer wish to intercourse with any man or woman or member of this court. If you force by the intercourse, I'll notice that as molesting, that I no longer wish to be molested by any man or woman. Even though we might have intercourse in the past, I no longer wish to intercourse any time in the future. Have a nice day. So like I said, there's certain words that make you guys chuckle and laugh. Like I said, some little old lady called me up and she said, oh, my 37-year-old son uh, got his two children taken away because the seven-year-old was molesting the four-year-old. And I said, that's odd. It's usually the four-year-old girl molests seven-year-old boys. I don't understand what you mean. And she says, that's ridiculous. Four-year-old girls don't. Yes, ma'am. Molest means, I said, does anybody speak Latin or or uh, Spanish or Portuguese and that kind of Portuguese goes on. Molest is like molestator means 
happening was his seven-year-old son was borrowing his four-year-old daughter, but they used the word molest to make it seem that it had some sort of sexual connotation, but she doesn't. That's why, oh, your husband's fighting some ridiculous, of course, it's usually four-year-old girls molest seven-year-old boys, like the older brother, it's like, wow, well, she's borrowing again. I'm trying to play with my friends here, and she keeps stepping on my paperwork, and she keeps messing with my toys. Like, my dog was molesting this poor man today because stepping on his paperwork, and his dog was like, hey, this dog was, this dog was molesting me. <laughs> Just when he was stepping all over this man's poor paperwork that he had found nice and neatly all over his wall. <laughs> but <laughs> that's what molest means. Because so when you hear the word molest, be very careful. There has to be another adjective for that. Basically saying sexual molesting. So be careful if somebody's trying to inflame the people by saying this seven year old boy and those molesting four year old girls. Be careful what they say. You know, just look into the word a little deeper before you guys jump and go totally nuts when somebody accuses you of molesting somebody. Because I said, I hope that I'll be the world's biggest molester and I'll get everybody bothered that's trying to be quarrelsome and trying to make you people start realizing what the hell's going on out here. And hopefully I'm disrupting and being argumentative with these people. Because when somebody says to you, say, a judge says, I'm cute like this to you in court. The judge says, did you come here to argue today or what? You better tell me a damn right I did. Because the argument means to polish something, to make it crystal clear, to make the light shine through, to bring the truth forth. That means to argue. Argue doesn't mean to fight, to be quarrelsome. Like, no one can here to molest you. I came here to argue with you. So like I said, you got to be very careful. I like the word suffer. People don't know what the word suffer means. So the judge could ask you a simple question. Oh, did you suffer because of the hands of the policemen? Oh, did those big bad policemen, did they, did, did they beat the crap out of you? Did you suffer? Did you suffer much at the hands of the policemen? He said, yes, I suffered a lot. The judge was like, case dismissed. Have a nice day. You did nothing. But suffer means that you have the capacity to do something about it, but you chose not to. You just, just chose to lay there and take it. But you had a choice. You could have said no, or you could have said something, but you laid there and took it. So when a judge said that you suffered because of the acts of somebody else, he said, yes, I suffered because of the acts of somebody else. The judge said, he's dismissed, and I'm a little more inside. That's an easy trick that they use, because you guys think the word suffer means that uh, you're in pain. Yes, you are in pain, but you could do something about it, but you decide not to let you suffer from a severe head cold or fever. You could get up and do something about it, but you're in so much pain, you say, you know what, it's probably better that I just lay here and take it and just let it run its course than to try to get up and fight with it. Just don't fight it. Just lay back and let it run its course. And that's what I was thinking of before, is the, the, what Jimmy Landon was saying, that before you got to be careful with the words. I had a man all over my show from England, and he said to me, he said, Carl, he said, in the middle of my, you know, little diatribe, my little speech to the court, my closing opening statement, whatever he's making, he said, the judge stopped me right in midstream, and the judge says, I think, I believe you're trying to evoke the common law. Is that true? And he says, yes, that's right. He says, the judge says, let me give you a hint. You better keep it to one syllable words, or you're going to lose your court. You can't talk about the legal lawyer. You can't use these fancy two, three, four, five, you know, 25 cent words. You can't use them. Like the simplest lawsuit I always tell everybody all the time is that I just say, I cause and she, Jane, Jane Steele, bone, get back bone. So right there, if you're going to have a lawsuit, you'd have a few in the caption, you'd have the parties, you'd say, I, Tarzan, man, she, Jane, woman. You'd have over here, you'd have the claim over here, it'd be the trespass, it'd be a robbery, 
and as they find Tarzan claim Jane steel bone, see exhibit A, bone, and the next piece of paper would say, order, return bone to Tarzan. Jane is to return bone to Tarzan. And that's the simplest way to do court. It's just say one line, one sentence, like the one I did for the man in England. There's uh, seven words, and then four words in a caption for each of them in a closure seat today. There's, uh, there's, there's 11 words total, but I guarantee you that was the shortest claim ever filed in the history of England. It was one sentence, and we had less than two minutes to do it because he left his 20-page lawsuit outside the car. I said, well, we've got to be in court Friday the 13th. It's Thursday the 12th. You didn't realize court closed at 4.30. It's 428. You left your lawsuit outside. You want to write your lawsuit in front of this lovely lady? You've got 120 seconds to do it. You said, that's impossible. If it's not impossible, make a claim. That's not impossible. I said, you got a pen? He said, yes. Yeah. You got papers? Like, no, I got for my son's briefcase with his crayon coins. And I said, okay, if this lovely lady refuses a paper, let's make a claim. Don't quit. You still got 100 seconds. He's like, what? We can't do this. Of course we can. What do we do? Right here. Fine. All right. Oh, man. There you go. You're going to be there claiming. There you go. And who did you the bad deed here? Barry Rose. He's a man. He's the wrongdoer. What are you going to make? Trespass. All right. We're going to make the claim for the trespass. For each of an enclosure. He jumped over your plants, came to your property, came to your enclosure. And this poor guy's watching the truck. Like, it's like, okay, call it. If I was playing it, maybe like 72 seconds. We've got plenty of time. And I just said, well, you're going to write that again. All right, I, and ours, claim wrong of trespass. See exhibit A. Now, exhibit A, I said to the court, but we can bring these exhibits down the hall, right? She said, yeah, you bring it any time. Well, they answer, right? And we can follow this building with a trunk full of exhibits, can't we? She said, make the exhibits a mile high, nobody cares. That's right. That's the claim. It's just like, I right, here, verify all of the MP2 and any old court. Now, I'm in, ours, man. You know, sign your name, I'll hand it this lovely lady. And how much do we owe you? She's like, oh, whatever. It's like three hundred dollars, whatever. It's like, okay, where do we pay? And she's like, across the hallway, down on the corner. I said, thank you, ma'am. And I said, uh, she was answering you back. I said, see, hello, we still got time to spare. And then about like twelve seconds later, she pulled the big screen and said, oh, nice guy, nice guy, boom. And that's what I said. That's probably one of the shortest calls she's ever seen filed here. She said, yeah, I bet it is. And that's it. That's a claim. That's that's all you got to do. Now you exhibit it. Like I said, I found gold on them all hills. You make a claim, have a piece of gold. Say, come down to the county court's office and say, I found gold on them all hills. What hill? The black hill between a red rock and a, and a blue tree. Okay, good. Now, if you want to make the exhibits a mile long, like the coordinates, you know, monitor latitude, you want to take pictures, you want to take photos, you want to bring testimony, bring witnesses, you want to do video, whatever. But the claim, one sentence that you found gold, and that's it. And you don't need uh, anybody to say that you did it. Nobody's challenging you that you didn't find gold. The county record is just saying, fine, found gold, don't record it. Don't be transformed. It says that your claim is not true. We'll send it to the county recorder and we'll send it to a, like a title, like a uh, somebody who seeks out titles or seeks out claims and make sure that nobody else is already having a previous stake to that claim. The land is yours to go work and, you know, pull whatever minerals you say that you claim that you found out of it. So, it's pretty simple, man. If anybody got any questions? Uh-oh. Yeah. Do we have the most power in a court? Uh, 
or file you use if you're in somebody else's house, damn, uh, the house is always going to win. Everybody knows that. You're not going to get over my mom and dad in the own house. They don't give a damn. If you have six-year-old kids, I got constitutional rights. I thought about them. Mom and dad will say, you could get behind over there. I don't know. I'm all going to get them. I have mom. I got constitutional rights. I got the right to free speech. That's what you thought. <laughs> you thought that wrong. I mean, you forgot just exactly where you're in. That's where you're at. You're in my control. You're in my custody. You're in my house. You're in my country. You're in my voice. You're in my control. So see, that's the problem is that you say certain words like that. See, that's, it's funny. When I came over the border, these border agents are pretty sharp, man. When I came over to Canada one time, I had about, oh, maybe about 15000 20000 in Canadian money, maybe $10,000 in, in United States money. So when uh, they asked me, do I have anything to claim? No, nope, I got nothing to claim. I'm good. <laughs> Just how much money do I have? Um, I'm unlimited. My value of my worth. God created me. I'm not a whole money that you can possibly imagine. It's <laughs> all so, how much it would take. I said, it's a normal calculable, you know, man, there is no price on man. You know, every man is, you know, you know, it's invaluable. Without man, there is no money. So the guy's like, okay, he's up. You said you wanted my account. What you got in your bag? I'm going to search your bag. Do what you wish. So he counted it out. He laid all his money on. He says to me, how, how much Canadian money and how much U.S. money you have there? So they have absolutely no Canadian money and I have absolutely no U.S. money. I said, well, I said that's coalesces and that belongs to coalesce. And you just took a little coalesce's bag and took out all this paper. You stuck it on it. Canada, but this is coalesce's money. This is the this isn't the U.S. money, it ain't Bob's money, it ain't Susie's money, it ain't Joey's money, it ain't Canada's money, it's call land. This paper that you pulled out, this belongs to call land. There is no U.S. money there. That is call Lance's money, property belongs, possession, pineapples, whatever you want to call it. Pulled it out of my bag? Yeah. Did anybody report it stolen? No. Did anybody report it missing? No. So then guess who's that is? That belongs to my mama. That's my property. If you just pulled out of my property, it's more my property. The United States is going to lay a claim, come here and claim that it belongs to the United States. Let the man known as the United States come here and make a claim. Let the man known as Canada come forth and make a claim against the highest all that. That it's Canada's money. Now, a representative of Canada can come and say that it's Canada's money, but that's just about as idiotic as you having an agreement to pay me $10,000 and some woman that you've never met comes and says, I'm calling to system. Just give me. I represent Call Lance. Give me the ten thousand dollars you'll call and I'll make sure Canada or Call Lance gets it. And he's like, Look, I followed the term trust yesterday. I don't know who you are. Well, I represent Canada. I represent Call Lance. I represent the United States of America. You give it to me and I'll make sure the United States of America gets it. Okay. Yeah, right. This is a copy yet, right? You think I'm stupid? Well, look, I got a piece of paper. I'm sworn act of behavior of the United States. Okay, the United States of Mexico is the Yeah. 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.